It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vedas, his father, they're allergic to water. She's his sister and her daughter. You watched it from Wacky Races. Well, we've done it. We have finally gotten to the episode long promised and and actually the first in a long time that was on our original proposal list of movies to talk about for our wacky races series actually this movie is the reason i thought of the series that's right was finding out this movie exists does it live up to it we'll we'll find out <laughs> yeah hey everybody i am my name is wade i'm siggy you're listening to you watched it wrong the wacky races edition and we are <laughs> Uh, are we in the middle? We're just past the halfway point. We're I think, navel deep of this series. Yes, boy, <laughs> boy, we're we're in it. We're in it to win it. Uh, we are here to finally talk about 1979's Scavenger Hunt. Scavenger yes. Hunt, our first not real vehicle based race. That's right. Entry in the Wacky Races series. It's more of a race against the clock. Or a race to accumulate points by a certain deadline. Get these know. things. Oh, and there's points involved. There ends up being a lot of math in this, in the climax of this movie. A lot of tabulation. <laughs> what we all like to see. It's funny how it adheres to that process in the final moments when it didn't let us in on any of it. Oh, boy. Yes. In the beginning, which, which yeah, my biggest, I'll just say it right now. No. Okay, okay, yeah, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> This isn't how you structure a discussion, but yes, go ahead. No, no, no. Yes, this is partly your show. No. (laughs) We haven't finished the introduction, but yes, dive into the ending, please. Yeah, yeah, let's go right in. Okay, no, you're right. You're right. I I should withhold some of the the jewels of my argument for when they are applicable. So yes, go ahead. Uh, Scavenger Hunt, directed by Michael Schultz. Oh, Schultz, here we go! You know what my biggest problem... <laughs> uh, you may have seen some other Michael Schultz movies, such as Car Wash, ah. and uh, I don't have the list in front of me, but you know it off the top of your head, I'm sure, Wade. I'm sure, yes. Let's see, I'm actually pulling it up right now. Uh, <laughs> oh, he redirected some episodes of Black Lightning recently. Uh. The Jerk Manifest, two. New Girl. He did a lot of TV in the late 2000. Is Michael, wait, is Michael A lot Schultz of TV still... will be a theme of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to be still with us. Yeah, he has 114 credits to his CV. He's done some. Uh, um, he he's done a lot of television directing. He's, uh, I, I mean, I would say Car Wash is the most, his most well-known Oh my lord! Feature so yeah, he's film, done, probably. He's done Cooley High, The Last the Dragon, Car Washed, Grease Lightning, which weighs up. Sergeant the, the Pepper's Lonely Hearts. Sergeant Club Band. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, probably the one I was most familiar with. Except it says he's uncredited for directing one of my favorite movies, Bustin' Loose, with Richard Pryor, directed by Oz Scott and one other. Oh, is uncredited. So that's not uh, you know they don't have that in Letterboxed. They do have no, they two, uh, he did do two pre-mustache Richard Pryor movies. I think you said Grease Lightning and also Which yeah. Ways Up. Also Disorderlies, 
yeah, during oh, the Fat the, Boys, the, and before that, Crush Boys. Groove. Crush Groove and The Last Dragon. Run DMC. Wow. All right. So um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lead off here. I'm gonna go right here. You lead uh, off. Put down go my right marker. Ahead. I think this is my least favorite entry in the series, which is <laughs> quite a disappointing uh, yeah. revelation, given that this was the inspiration. And I I really wanted to like it. I really I really really wanted to like it. Um, it seemed like it was gonna tick all the boxes, didn't it? It did. Uh, yeah. Um, and it, it takes a lot of boxes, and I, I actually find it really interesting um, in a number of ways, which we can get into. But as far as like understanding how comedy works, or how to set up, <laughs> or <laughs> how to do the beginning, middle, or ending of a gag, <laughs> like it doesn't, right. it doesn't know how to do any of those things. No, um, I, I wonder if this move. I, I was gonna ask. I had this written in my notes. Uh, I wonder if this movie passed as entertainment when it came out. <laughs> but then I think that sentence answered that question because, yeah, it of every single attempt at humor, it's missing two to three parts of that critical setup, beginning, middles, and ends. There were individual <laughs> moments that made me laugh, mostly due to the performances. Yes. But there, I don't think there is any scene that actually works in this movie. No. My note was only laugh so far, halfway through the movie was only laughs so far is Richard Benjamin saying don't do that to Richard Mazur slapping him on the back. That's all I got. Okay. I laughed more than that. But um, now uh, when I saw yeah. this, I admittedly, I saw this in January expecting us to do this episode a lot earlier. I saw it when I had COVID. It was the last movie I watched when I was coming out of COVID. Mm. So, you know, it's probably not not giving it the fairest shake, but I was reviewing it again today, and um, I don't think my opinion has changed any. <laughs> no. <laughs> not expect so. But is it, it's a question, is it the, my, my least favorite? Because you said it was your least favorite so far. It's this and those magnificent men and their flying machines. It's between those two. For me, it's between those two and Cannonball. Yeah, those are I the really three worst. Like yeah. those are those are butt and butt and butt is yeah. at the back of the race. Yeah, if I had to watch one of them again, I no, I guess I'd say Cannonball. I I think I'd say Cannonball too. <laughs> yeah, it's funny for the amount of talent that's in this movie. Like, of course, Leachman is a national treasure. Oh yeah, and she, she's given nothing to do. No, she's completely wasted. <laughs> Completely wasted in this. Uh, yeah, not yeah. good. Not good stuff. So, well, so we were just debating whether or not we should run through this gigantic cast or just run through the thing. So, but I think probably we should, if we're going to keep this under a certain time limit, we probably should just dive right into the story and talk about the cast as they come. How does okay. that sound? All right, but we're going to do uh, to do lots of aside. So, and you will have seen them in these right. three television shows in this commercial campaign. Um, which is most of these are mostly TV actors, which is funny, like the reviews at the time, which were not good, not favorable, um, but talked about this being an all star cast. But they were like all in like at a small part in a hit movie from the year before or were in a popular TV show like that year or the previous years. It should be called an all <laughs> an all journeyman cast with some stars. Yeah, it's a very 1979 cast and the like the billing is really weird like Stephen first 
is like prominently built, even though he's the third most prominent fat person. <laughs> and if you've seen Scavenger Hunt, you know what we mean by that. Um, speaking yeah. of which, if you've seen Scavenger Hunt, uh, Scavenger Hunt is very difficult yeah. to locate. Congratulations. Right you have to go into Scavenger Hunt to watch Scavenger <laughs> Hunt. So you need to go, all to go to all your local thrift stores and Goodwills. Uh, it's not streaming anywhere right now. Uh, I actually purchased my copy from uh, Kino Lober Direct. It's basically only on DVD at this point. Mm. Uh, and it's hard to get that. Oh, there's so. a Blu-ray in the collection at University of Michigan Library, but only in the closed collection. Does not circulate. You have to. Oh, so you have to watch. Schedule it a viewing booth and go in. Or don't. And during the summer, <laughs> those viewing booth hours are eleven to two. So, <laughs> hope you don't have to watch uh, Jean Dielman, uh yeah. twenty three. <laughs> Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Or its sequel. Because you, won't, you can't get to the whole movie in their viewing hours. Nope. Uh, should we run the numbers? Let's run the numbers. Okay. Let's go to the numbers. Uh, what are they? Well, um, the budget in 1979 was 7000 No, $7 million. I always wanted to do that. <laughs> it felt like 7000 But uh, $7 million, $20, $20. Remember, I go to 2020 because that's before our inflation got crazy. So that's probably what you think about when you think about dollars still, uh, be it like a $24 million picture. I could I not eggs. find could not find its box office. I'm going to go ahead and guess it did not make its money back. Yeah, that seems correct. I'm just going to say, uh, had a December 21st release, 1979. <laughs> so so imagine, this was a Christmas release. Imagine you're... <laughs> that you know that fa- your family like awkwardness is settling in. You've already spent a little too much time, so like, oh, I was playing at the movies. Let's go see something funny, and then you go then see the Scavenger first, Hunt. The first gag of the movie is this creaky bed springs gag. What's the first? Oh, remember it's the oh, it's I, the oh, sex oh. fake out. I, I want to. We will get into the first scene. I, I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> We should have seen Siggy's eyes light up. Yeah, yeah, got a lot to say. Um, but imagine, you know, um, uh, imagine walking out of that theater and like, and if you were the one who picked that movie, oh boy, your holiday just got a lot worse. <laughs> know what I mean? Oh boy. Yeah. And let's like let's hope nobody uh, brought their Native American girlfriend or Japanese <laughs> significant other uh, oh. to this one. Um, Little uncomfortable. Uh, Yes. Somebody's (laughs) struggling with weight issues. Um, Yeah. So, all right. Let's just, yeah. Okay. Let's just dive in. Let's just dive in. Let's just dive in. We, um, opening scene, we hear a long exchange of a, a, a nurse, a nurse who is played by, oh, shoot, Carol Wayne who you may know from uh, uh, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson when he would do his, uh, what was that? The guy who would hit the table with a stick. And he would talk like this while doing sales pitches. It was like tea time, movie tea time. She was the buxom uh, woman who would come in and then he would make references to her boobs. 
He would do like <laughs> what double, an honor. Yeah, he would like do, <laughs> double entendre. Uh, then he would hit the table with a stick. Um, uh, that's her, Carol Wayne. So she's, uh, you know, talking. We don't know if she's a nurse yet, but, you know, it sounds yeah. like she's uh, engaging in lively sex play, uh, talking about melon patches and, I don't know, <laughs> breeding ponds uh, and things like that. And then when we finally have um, moved over to the bed, going past like pachinko machines and pinball machines and arcades and all lots sorts of and games. lots of stuff. I'll get back to that in a minute. Oh, lots okay. And lots of stuff. Yeah, it did look like in this mansion, a dream house from my kids' yes. perspective. Um, me, me as a kid, I mean. Uh, we finally get to the bed where she is in the bed with her patient, Vincent Price. Very elderly looking. Not well looking, Vincent Price, and I know he's supposed to be sick, but um, with makeup around his eyes on his cheek, but not on his chin or forehead. <laughs> yeah, and he's not talking, so I didn't even like no. immediately recognize it as Vincent Price. Uh, kind of weird not to have him speak on screen. Um, but it turns out they're playing a, a like a little arcade game. She's she's playing with his joystick, but by this me I mean a controller. That is does not enter into the the double entendre uh, of and, this and scene. How how that controller controls what it's doing, what the game is actually doing, befuddles me. But yes, because we'll what let the that go. Game is it's like a big wall sized display, and it's kind of like a pachinko kind of thing. But you're controlling a frog, and it's sort of like pinball. A, you're trying to guide it around this path. Right. It's a metal frog that's on a on a on a, a steel arm that's. That's going into a track. Yeah. And then you're guiding that through a track remotely. Yeah. And you're getting um, points based on your ability to navigate a maze, essentially. That's right. Uh, and, and I love how many double entendres they couldn't squeeze into the before you know what was happening that they still kept saying after. Yeah. It's revealed that she's not actually in intercourse with him, but rather playing a video game. And they still kept it up. And I'm like, really? <laughs> well, as it turns out, Vincent Price, or uh, not Milton Bradley, uh, Milton, Milton Parker. Parker. Yes. Uh, one of the brothers, maybe. His, um, nice it, it turns out he can't keep it up. Because after she has guided the frog down into the 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 patch at the bottom in sort of a V-shaped track. Now he's trying to guide it back up, but now, okay. So this game has already been like a, a, a metaphor for sex, sex play. And the frog like is going through like breeding ponds and stuff. But now it's also like, uh, uh, <laughs> it's becomes a metaphor for sex again, because now his, <laughs> His, his frog is falling, like his erection's falling, but it's also a metaphor for his life because he's dying. It's a, it means the frog's filing, falling means his life is failing. It's very, it's a very richly complex text. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. You know? You're right, it is. Games it are is. life. Games are sex. Sex is life. Sex is frogs. Your cock is a frog. <laughs> You hope it doesn't get run over by a semi when you cross the street. Yeah, it really, you know. The tadpoles are your are your seed. I kind of wish the whole movie had stayed right here. 
and just explored yeah, this more. Yeah, because you know what? Carol, Carolyn Wang was actually a good actress at uh, doing her bit. I, you know? I would like to have stayed with that, too. She's carrying the scene. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't Scavenger Hunt had been so much better if for one hour and 54 minutes it was just that nurse playing that game with Vincent Price's corpse laying next to her for the majority <laughs> of the They should have kept going back. Like, we don't see her again. Yeah, no, no. She wasn't one again. of the servants. She's not on the servant team. Yeah. You know what that scene reminds me of is um, there's lots of songs about how rock and roll, that use rock and roll as a metaphor for sex. Like, I want to rock all right. night, right? Mm-hmm. And you see lots of imagery where rocket ships are metaphors for erections. Yes. And ejaculations. In the Def Leppard song Rocket, sex is a metaphor for rock and roll and your cock <laughs> is a metaphor for a rocket ship. They flipped the script. Yeah. Good for them. Yeah. It's very innovative <laughs> and artistically challenging. Okay. So Milton Parker dies. Next scene. Uh, we go right to our top build actor, Richard Benjamin, right? He, he, is he the first guy we see? I thought, I thought it was Clarice Eastman crying, and then it pans it? out and she's there. Okay, all right. I could be wrong. Yeah, she's crying in a chair. Uh, Clarice Leachman, star of uh, multiple Emmy winner for um, Mary Tyler Moore Show and um, which of the spinoffs is she in? Uh, Rhoda? Yoda, I Rota. think. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. We, you know, there's a whole internet out there, but why bother? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, Richard Benjamin, a star of Catch-22, star of um, what he was just in Love at First Sight. Saturday the uh, 14th. This year. <laughs> um, Last of Sheila, which is very good. Oh, okay. Is and he in Westworld, the one that. I know him the most from is Westworld. You know, I've never seen... Either of those. He's in the Sunshine Boys. Starring Richard Benjamin has never been a selling point for me. Um, I did see him on the street once. and was like, hey, it's Richard Benjamin. But um, <laughs> Graduate of Northwestern University. I retract my previous statement. He's the best. And director of My Favorite <laughs> Year, a movie I um, That's right. quite liked. Um, and a skinny guy. So I'm just kind of naturally on yeah. his side. And I... I thought very good in this movie, I you know, moment to moment, or at least in this first scene, like most things in this movie, uh, what I initially liked, I grew very tired of <laughs> over time. Um, and he doesn't really do much to acquit himself later on. So Milton Parker's lawyer, the executive of his will, Robert Morley, welcome to the two timer right. club. Robert Is Morley. Is he a three-timer club now, though? Oh, yeah. Is He's he been in... He was in Magnificent right. Men and their flying machines. He was the a, rich sponsor of the... Yeah, but he's been in another one, too, hasn't he? He was in Around the World in 80 Days, which is... Oh, okay. I think he was in... Sort one. of our episode zero that we never actually did an episode <laughs> on. We, we should have, I think. It's, it is kind no, you of... Did. You, covered, you covered what was necessary. It is, it's the wellspring of this entire genre. Yeah. Um, uh, he's in that, so he's you know. If you count that, he's in the three timer club. But then, you know, he's not really. Um, so yeah, he's in two timer. Um, he's gathered uh, everyone together, and 
plays a what I thought was going to be like a high tech device. He says, "I have a recording of Milton Parker's will," and he had a box in front of him, and I thought it was going to be like a Jack in the Box, and like a recorded mm-hmm. voice would pop out of that. Instead, he pulls out like a Radio Shack cassette tape <laughs> and pops it into a tape player that we don't see. Um, and we learn that there's there's a scavenger hunt. So um, so here we go. This is precisely a, the state worth two hundred million dollars will will be given to the winner of the scavenger hunt. So it's a winner take all. Right. This is a, a convention we haven't had in a while. The introduction where the rule everyone's gathered and the rules are explained or the whole idea is presented. Um, uh, to, I mean, Mad 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 World cast. did it. They they see you know they bring a cab driver in showed that they had a a uh, wanted to see that again so Mad 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 World did it who else did it everything else was like an organized proposed league yeah. set up those magnificent everything. men uh, the, right. the great race you know gentlemen yes. I have a race to propose right you know. and then they spend money and it's on an advertising and this is like these people don't know they're going to be doing it. And so that's that's uh, that's something we haven't seen a lot of. Yeah. But that seems to be well, that's, kind of that's the a mad spirit world. of the that's, that's right. Just, yeah, they're kind of ambushed with it too. Yeah. But that kind of seems to be the spirit of the genre we were expecting to see. Is a bunch of people suddenly thrown in like, oh, uh, let's go, you know? Yeah. Dropping everything and running, you know. Well, this is the. I mean, so this movie, I I, I think, is a very conscious. I think it started as a as a very conscious. Um, uh, callback to it's a mad 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 world yeah i think so um and it has some moments like <laughs> when they're all first take off out of the to, to start the race all in their differently colored vehicles except for the two orange ones color coding is a problem in this movie it really is um if you have five vehicles why are two of them orange like come on man <laughs> there's more than there's more than four colors yeah you know, you colors out you're, there. You're using black as one of them. Yeah, Mad World did that beautifully. Those cars are burned into my brain. You know, you can always know who's in what car. But in this movie, I'll, I'll tell you this, Wade. Um, if you wanted to make me have a deeper appreciation of it's a mad, 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 mad world and what it accomplishes, having me watch Scavenger Hunt was the way to do it. Oh. I suddenly like this movie a whole lot more. Because when this movie started, I was like, you know, the first like 15 minutes of this movie I liked. And when they start off on the scavenger hunt and they zoom off, I'm like, you know, I think this kind of movie works better at this kind of scale, you know, because the, the, yeah. the epic, the, the, it always felt like it was too inflated to me for, for the stakes. Um in, in Mad World. And I'm like making this a smaller, like just like smaller budget ensemble with like a bunch of TV actors, like feels more right to me. feels more right sized for this kind of story. Um, but then it does just like everything that Mad World does right. This movie get, gets completely wrong. <laughs> so I'm like, I didn't study it very well and her very closely. But that's what they were trying to do. Um, although yeah. the ending has an interesting divergence and we'll get to that when we get to the we'll get end. To that, yeah. Okay. So it's part of the will that they have to break up. They have to perform as teams. They're broken up as teams that are competing. with What are the teams? Well, his sister, right. um, Cloris Leachman and her, her son, Georgie, 
Georgie, being a uh, young Richard Mazur, future SAG president. Oh, is he? That's right. Not currently, but he's future a- dog handler uh, for the Arctic base and the thing. Yes, that's first correct. casualty of the thing. I think the thing, right, among, yes. among the team. So it's her and her son. They're yeah. a lawyer. Slimy, and her daughter too. Slimy Lisa. lawyer Richard Benjamin, and then her stepdaughter. And this right. is a funny little gag where she like she forgot her stepdaughter was there and like oh yeah yeah you too <laughs> because she's on the same team. And then right. uh, th- th- there's another team. Uh, his his widowed son-in-law. <laughs> so he's Randall. got a sister. He had a right. daughter who died, and that guy is Tony Randall who. It's like a schmuck who drives a, a wood panel station wagon and has four kids that always fight. He's obviously not been benefiting from having married into a rich family late, uh, right. lately, it looks like. That's Tony Randall, still hot on uh, The Odd Couple. Um, and if I may, yeah. again, at the end of my notes for all this, I had written, I had no notes on Tony Randall's storyline, as that's all it warranted. <laughs> Because yeah. what can we say about the Tony Randall bits when we cut away to him? It's like, it, yeah. It's, well, I mean, it's one of, things, one, of the, one of many things about this movie that doesn't go anywhere. Doesn't go anywhere. Uh, yeah. Um, then we have the nephews, who mm-hmm. I guess are the sons of another, a different sister who died Maybe. or his wife's sibling and they both died, whatever. But these are face, face man. Dirk Benedict. And Starbuck, the original Starbuck. Yeah, that's right. From Battlestar Galactica. And this movie, his the other nephew, is introducing Willie Ames, who, to me, looks like the quintessential 1970s TV actor. Yeah. Like, he just looks like TV actor from the 70s. Yeah. Just, if you imagine, when I say that word, whatever you imagine, that's this guy. <laughs> well, he was on Eight is Enough. And right. uh, later he's on Charles in Charge, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely didn't recognize him, even though I, well, I did watch Eight as Enough as a very young kid, not enough to remember anything about it. Uh, so that's there. So those two are a team at the start. Mm-hmm. At the start. Um, one of the things that won't go anywhere is that the stepdaughter from the first team is going to join, for no particular reason, this team. Right. The nice guys, because she's. But a nice I have girl. to say, there's a it. What should have been my favorite line in the whole movie is when she's standing there, and I think, oh, this is going to be the Caroline of this movie, right? From Mister, it's a mad, mad, mad world's Caroline, yeah. the one that everyone uh, you know discounts, and I guess I figured she'd probably end up winning it or something. And then Dirk, Dirk Benedict, and Willie Ames come up to her and they say. Uh, why don't you come with us? And then she goes, ah, oh, no, I don't think so. And then they basically hoist her up and kidnap her, <laughs> carry her to the van. But they say immediately, 200 million split three ways is not bad. And that immediately made me go, these guys are not like the others. Yeah. And it, that line should have made us, made me want to root for them. But I didn't for some reason. I wasn't rooting for them. But that line seemed tailor-made to be, we should want them to win. You know. Yeah. You're supposed to want them to win. Because <laughs> they're didn't. handsome and they're nice to the the jilted stepdaughter. Stepdaughter. 
My um, favorite team, though, you haven't the mentioned. The fact that she's on an opposing team from her mother and yeah, stepmother and stepbrother, like zero incidents. Like they don't know each other anymore. Right. It's just like that it's never nothing. happened. We're just yeah. a team now. So like, yeah, there, there was no tension. There, there was plenty of opportunities for conflict and drama and none. Just didn't didn't do it. Yeah. Weird. <sighs> and that'll um, come into play. Uh, the famous singing line, and that'll come into play. Never. <laughs> <laughs> it won't. It just won't. Um, then we have my favorite team, the servants. My favorite team as well. Um, with Roddy McDowell as mm-hmm. the butler, who's got a little bit of um, Tony Randall. Tony Randall. No, Tony Curtis in the Great Race thing, where his yeah. his whole bit is that he won't get dirty. <laughs> yes, I I love it how he's just as himself, and then when they're standing in a whole bunch of water, suddenly he's got a full plastic yeah like like suit covering, holding his shoes, co- covering his entire suit. He's not going to get dirty. Yeah, he never does. It's beautiful. I I you know it's. It's a the recurring really bit funny. that works in this movie yeah. that I have to think Roddy McDowell just did it and was never directed to do it. It has to be. I think it's because not because if it had been if it had been intended by the movie makers, they would have had lines of dialogue pointing it out. They would have had you know a bunch of clunky stuff happen, yeah. but no, it's just there. It's just it's there. there. It's I just, love it. It's yeah. just part of the dressing, and that worked. Every time I noticed he was doing it, you know, oh, he took his socks and shoes off because the floor was wet, you know? Right. And, um, yeah, that stuff worked. So Roddy McDowell, we have James Coco, second build in this movie. Yeah. I mean, they're in alphabetical order, but it's still weird that James Coco just, like, has, like, not much. He speaks in a French accent, and he falls down a few times. And he doesn't and like does he doesn't like Babette. Inexplicable behaviors that just don't make any sense. I still like him. He's still like I would put his comic performance up against Richard Mulligan any day and say, "Oh, he's clearly the better comic performer between the two." Uh, um, so, right, oh, we didn't. Uh, Roddy, Roddy McDowell was I got in a it. thing against Richard Mulligan for some reason. I don't know why. Oh, okay. Well, oh, you were being my ironic. Skin crawl. Well, we haven't even got to that team yet. Could you just hold your horses a I minute? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm screaming we're about at the gardener. To talk about to, him. I'm, you're, you're, I'm screaming at the gardener to get out of the way so we can get to these points. I'm trying to get to the servants right now. So, Roddy McDowell, okay. uh, Cornelius from Planet of the Apes, and a bunch of other mm-hmm. stuff, right? Um, uh, James Coco, Man of La Mancha. From Murder by Death. Right. Nominated mm-hmm. for an Oscar for Only When I Laugh. And, yeah. And for uh, a Razzie for the same role, which. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I haven't seen it. He played Monsieur Perrier in uh, Murder by Death. Okay. Is that one of the yeah. main detective? Is that yes. a bit part? Yes. Okay. It's I a big seen, part. I haven't seen that movie in forever. There are a lot of things that are not appropriate nowadays in it, I but. With that out of the way, I I watched it so much growing up. I love it. I do love it so much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We have Cleavon Little coming off of Blazing Saddles as Jackson, uh, the the limousine driver, and as Babette, the maid, um, uh, John Candy's wife from The Great Outdoors, uh, where Mm -hmm. Stephanie Pharisee. All of them are, are, are... If I could watch the movie with just them... 
I really liked watching all of these guys. They these, work, these guys were funny. They they play they well off each other. Um, everybody's kind of doing their own little related thing. They they seem to know both that this movie is bad. Yeah. But they also go, we're going to rise above it without getting in the way. Yeah. And I I wanted to see. Um, I mean, and just because also they're the servants and, you know. Right. You got all sorts of reasons to root for them. Uh, and then last, the last team is uh, Dummits. <laughs> His name is Dummits. The cab driver who caused the death of uh, is uh, Milton Parker's business partner. So he couldn't get to a board meeting, which allowed Milton Parker to take control of the company. Something like that. Drove him over a Something cliff. Something like that. Um, he made him late, I think is what he said. He, that was probably Bradley Parker. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, made him <laughs> made him late. Doesn't know that he's here because the guy died. Is no um, idea. And you don't think this is Richard Mulligan from Soap? He's great in mm-hmm. Soap. Um, Empty Nest. Yeah. A fine mess. Who? Uh, maybe this is why I don't like Richard Mulligan because there's a moment in a fine Blake Edwards' A Fine Mess. Involving uh, horse doping. It's burned in my brain. It's traumatized me. It scarred me as a kid. It was basically Richard Mulligan. He's a gangster who's just a big screw up. Okay. But they're holed up in this house, surrounded by cops. And his partner's like, oh my God, they're going to get us. They're surrounded by cops. And Richard Mulligan comes out in a full like chef's outfit with a huge tall hat. And he's got a bowl. And he's, make, he's stirring batter or something. He's like, but what about my souffle or whatever? And he goes, we got any diversion to get out of here. And I know just the thing. He pulls out the the rubbery plastic carrot-shaped thing that they stick in the horse's rectum to dope the horses. And he waggles it in front of his face. And he goes, and you're going to do exactly what I say. And Richard Mulligan goes, oh, no. Then it cuts to the outside with all the cops. And then a sped up Richard Mulligan, still stirring the batter, by the way. <laughs> dashes out of the house <laughs> and all the cops follow him as he runs down the road on a reverse projection thing, rear projection, you know, special effect of him still stirring this batter. And I don't know why this horrified me so much. <laughs> oh, that was what horrified you and not the horse butt carrot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the implication that he stuck this thing up Richard Mulligan's ass and now he's running in high speed frame rate. So it's a, <laughs> Wait, so to dope a horse, you stick a rubber carrot? Th- this is... Like an orange is, toy this is carrot? This comedy starring Howie Mandel. So the, I don't know if it's accurate. They didn't go to a Breaking Bad level of accuracy <laughs> for host horse doping. Or maybe they did. I mean, did they have like a, a rubber shaped stalk at the end? No, it was cut off there. But it was like, it was a conical rubber... Um, orange thing with ridges on it and he waves and waggles it in front of him and then when he comes out running it something about the chef's hat and the bowl still holding on to that while he's being doped I mean it sounds something something just really bothered me about those details just like the mixture of food and butt play yeah I think so I think so Okay. Oh, God. And, and maybe Richard Mulligan is our 
Nash is a national treasure as well, and I just can't see it because all I can think of is food and play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just clowning around in the scene. I enjoyed him. I actually, you know, this is when I was still very optimistic about this movie. And this this scene with the reading of the will, I was I was enjoying. Yeah. Okay, like picking up a rubber or plastic fruit and not knowing <laughs> it's plastic until you take a bite. Okay, that's stupid. All right, but, whatever. Um, but the rest of the scene I was enjoying. Um, and then we go outside, and the rules are explained a little more. Um, that we're each they're each going to be given a list. With 100 items? Do they say how many items are on the list? This is my biggest problem with the movie. I read I read later that there's 100 items, but like the yeah. highest number we hear said is 32. I'm like, okay. So they get, they get identical lists of items. They have to find the items. Items are worth different amounts of points. They have to come back and put their items into their own respective bins, which are all different colors, by 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock. Well... How much time do they have? What time is it now? I don't know. know. Um, How how many items are on the list? I don't know. During the movie. What items are on the list? I don't know. Yeah. Hey, they say a list of identical items on the list. Um, And then nobody seems to bring the same items at all. Oh, well, no. Fat person. They do. We get, uh, yeah, no. I, uh, In fact, we're going to hear a lot of Richard Benjamin saying, that's duplication, that's duplication, oh, um, that's true. over then, and over again. W- and then every scene when Ironically. they go somewhere, besides them announcing we're going to get a toilet, whenever they're there, we never know what they're there, there to get. There are many scenes where we have no idea what they're trying to accomplish. We have no idea what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's infuriating. It's like, just show us the list. And then we can be looking too. That's part of the excitement. Where do we yeah. look? Where can we look? You know, make us part of it. It was so, it seems so simple. We to don't just, understand the structure or the stakes of what's happening none. moment to moment. We don't know what time it is. We don't know. We, we don't know, you know their missed opportunities. We don't know their yeah. uh, anything. And, the, and maybe, the items are worth different amounts of points. We don't know, like, what are the big ticket items? Like, what are the important things right. to get that would really make a difference? We have no idea. <laughs> We, had, we know what the low point values are because right. they tell us when they get something that's insignificant. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's after the fact. And like, why do they bother? Why, why do we care that they got that thing? Like, you know, we need to know what the 50 point items are. Well, we know yeah. the, the heaviest person, the fattest person you can find <laughs> um, is worth Which, 50, a whopping 50 points. No end of frustration to that. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's bad. Uh, it, uh, don't it's structure bad. your movie that way. Like, make us... Uh, like you say, let us participate in what's going on, <laughs> um, r- rather than just watch characters go willy nilly, which is mostly what's happening in this movie. Yeah, this is when so, yeah, yeah so this 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 scene right here is when the movie starts to go off the rails. It really goes off the rails pretty right. early. And Richard, well, like, Richard in the Mulligan third does. Scene. Richard Mulligan does fit the wacky race trope of the crazy Hungarian type. Right, he does yeah. fit that trope. He's the wacko. He's the right. He's the the, the singular he's wacko opula- operating by a different set of rules than everybody else. Yeah, exactly. He does pick up a partner. He does pick up Scatman Crothers uh, down the line. Yeah, and another callback is... to it's a mad, 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 mad world where our taxi driver will team up with yeah. our uh, black character actor with the very distinctive <laughs> voice. 
Sammy Carruthers really is the, like the 70s Rochester who yeah. just kept popping up in little things. Yeah. Yeah. So as they're trying to leave, they've got their list. We've not seen them. We don't know what's on it. We don't know. It would seem logical to me that most of them should run back into the mansion because the mansion has yeah. toilets. The only has- rule is that you can't buy it. Right. Which I don't know how you prove that you didn't buy it. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how you But know. they got a mansion full of stuff. We saw <laughs> I had the same all that thought. stuff in his bedroom. The servants. I'm sure there was a clown head in there. The servants know what's in there, for sure. Yeah. You know, that's like their Why big advantage. Why did the servants I drive? That, at the end, I thought that's how they were going to win, is they were going to yeah. realize that they could just run into the mansion. But no, 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 no. Why did the servants drive to the Hotel Claremont to get a toilet? Well, they were just driving right past Why it. to the Hotel Claremont? They could have taken one out of the house, and they know where the water shutoff is. Why did they do that? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Because, well, I'll tell you why. Because huh. it gets us on their side. You That's know, true. Because that, they're, they're stealing it from snooty, rich people. Whereas right. the Cloris Leachman, uh, Richard Benjamin team, we have to immediately get us not on their side. We have to be against them. So, right. So how you get us on their side, they, you, it, we're all stealing. But if you steal from rich people, it's OK. If you steal from little kids, it's not OK. Right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the taking of the toilet off was uh, in scene is fun just to watch those actors work like Cleavon Little. Cleavon Little seems to be doing a weird like his weird workman plumber voice, but he seems to be doing it in quotes like. We're in a bad movie, guys, trying to make his, like, colleagues laugh. That, that seemed to be what he was doing, and I really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, hey, he's here, hey, James Coco, this is dumb. How about we go into this scene and do this? It was great. <laughs> I had great fun watching him do that. Yeah, everyone just goes out and just does a bunch of shit for <laughs> an hour plus. There's, there's no structure... To it, it's not like it's a mad, 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 mad world where you can keep track of where people are, and then they're gonna, yeah, when they cross paths, you can sort I mean, of anticipate it. You always hated the plane part of it's a mad, mad, mad world, but at least they go, okay, these guys are in a, are, are 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 stuck in a truck. Yeah, these guys are in the plane. Right. These, these guys', guys are plan in the is to use a plane to get from point A to point B. You yeah. at least understand you, that. You understand that. <laughs> yeah. At this point, at one point, it's like, we need a carnival. There's no carnival. And there's a carnival. <laughs> and they go and... I did like the guy, uh, Pat McCormick, who was playing the carnival barker at that ball toss game. Oh, yeah. Game. Big Enos. Big Enos, from, yeah. From uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. I actually really liked his performance. It's kind of like, <laughs> don't... If you've done this, oh, you hit me. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Uh, the fouls were... Oh, what's... Uh, no children for me. <laughs> Oh, and Richard Benjamin saying that he yeah. was a, a college pitcher, a star pitcher in school, and then throwing the weeniest pitches. Yeah. I liked his big wound up that ended up just doing like an underhanded in. It's kind of like a, um, what are they, who's the, there was a famous pitcher who pitched that way. It's a sidearm, but it comes from underneath. It's like a submariner, I think mm. they might call it. I was yeah. trying to remember the term. Friend of the podcast, Levi, will be able to remember. Um who that uh, is? What that? Yeah, he'll he'll, he'll chime in. Uh, he'll text us. Let us know what's that kind of pitch called. Who was known for doing that? Anyway, we will not come back and tell you, listeners. I bet also Jim knows. Jim uh, probably knows too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
No, that Jim. That Jim probably knows. It's Jim knows. Excuse me. I I, I want to retract my heresy. Yeah. Get it right. Um, um, all right. Let's just like do a random assortment of. At some point, they will cross paths, and then the movie right. potentially well, gets interesting. I kept waiting for them to cross paths or the the unexpected alliance, um, and that's, none of that's going to come till much later. It's just a bunch of random shit before then. Yeah, uh, the the nephews and the stepdaughter or, uh, go to Jack in the Box. Yeah. It's kind of nice to see an old Jack in the Box, an old uh, fast food restaurant. Yeah, a scene steal with the clown zero head. gags. One of many scenes that just not, <laughs> you know, I okay. complained about it's a man, 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 world, not exactly having jokes, but at least it did have. Yes, yes, yes. Larger than life. Yes. Um, is circumstances that would lend themselves to <laughs> laughing, right? Or at there least. There you go. Um, I appreciate you, you meeting me halfway. Like the shattering of reality in a way that would make you, that makes it not drama. And so therefore it's comedy, you know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> I'll accept what you can give. Um, but this is just like uh, two people jumping out of a car and lifting a jack in the box. And they have to keep ordering food because if they don't keep ordering food, they will have to pull forward and not be able to lift the head no. up anymore. Like it doesn't really they just make keep any sense. Food. Yeah. The biggest joke in the thing is he says, there's no, Hurry up. there's no comic logic to what's happening. It's no. Just, yeah. And then Willie says, it won't turn. And then the Jack in the box lady says, turnovers. Apple. <laughs> yeah. Turnovers. That's yeah. the joke. Uh, that's the joke. Yeah. And like face, why can't face place the order and also help lift? Like, yeah, exactly. Now, what, now, how do we fix this? How do you fix this scene? Would, would it at least, if say the scene played out exactly as it did, could you fix it by them pulling up? Because they, 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 they get back in the car. All the other cars applaud because yeah. they've held them up. They're all cool for some with reason. It. And so they get in the van. You know, I hate Jack the in the van. Box, as they say, <laughs> while waiting to place your order. They should have they should have pulled up to the window, and then the the women at the drive through, I don't know, like drops a metal like slide chute into their window, and then just like a pallet full of food items comes in and then cut. <laughs> that would have been funny. Yeah, like a point yeah. of view from Dirk Benedict. Like they ordered so much food and now they pull up and now they got the food and it's all, it just floods their car with it. That would have been funny. If there was a payoff? <laughs> Any sort of payoff. Yeah. But good. Even them just getting their order would have been something. Yeah. Like imagine if there were consequences for the silly thing happening. Wouldn't that be funny? Might that be dramatic even? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't really happen in Scavenger Hunt. No. But then after that, we do get the stealing of an old Native American man's teeth. Okay. A loathsome, loathsome moment in this movie. This is right here the the low point in the wacky races series so far. Yes. I think. We we have experienced racism and misogyny. Yeah. And lots of stuff like this. But this takes the cake. And I... I actually think it was the it's the most offensive like Indian gag I've ever seen in a movie. <laughs> I actually can't think of another one yeah. that comes close. 
Uh, and and I, they try to make it a running gag, and it's it tries to awful. make it a running gag. And there's no setup, zero, zero. setup, <laughs> hard slam cut, hard cut to like a shape in a window, and then somebody. Then we see a, a Native American man, old man, wearing a hat with a feather in it. He's not Braids wearing a headdress. For fuck's sake. I'm surprised they didn't do that, though. He's like looking in the mirror while they do. He's going to grab his bow and arrow in a minute. He, he takes his uh, dentures out and sticks them in a glass, like in close up. And then like a hand just comes up and grabs it. And then Richard Benjamin's just running away with it. And that's it. How the fuck do they know this guy has dentures? So one of the items on the list is dentures, and they're like, well, let's go to the Native American, American man's house. <laughs> Wait outside his window for a bit. I know this yeah, guy. No. <laughs> I, yeah, he's always brushing his teeth at this time of day. Let's go there now. <laughs> I, I, have a, I can sense he's about to put it on his windowsill, as one does. I- Outside the windowsill. Yeah. On the outside of the cell, to, not the inside To of the cool, cell. like a pie. To cool, like a pie. <laughs> And so then the guy's oh, like, then here comes Hobo Richard Benjamin. And then, and so this this this, this guy uh, uh, Gerardo or Gerardo uh, Deco Decordov Dovier, I don't know. Decordov Dovier deserved better. I have no idea. Whatever this credited as Indian um Natch. runs outside it's like you stole my dentures except he's saying it like in a soft mouthed way because he has no dentures he's doing the the toothless thing and so he grabs his bow and arrow he doesn't have a gun his bow and arrow uh and he shoots the teddy bear that they won from the carnival um would have gone through that bear, but I'm not going to be nitpick here. And then he's going to go like, is it even like right away or do we get like a scene later? We see him run out in the street and put his yeah. fucking ear to the ground like he's listening for buffalo on a hunt. Yeah. You know, he, 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 he but he puts his ear to the street and then puts his ear to the street so that he can hear where their car went. And this will matter an hour and 10 minutes from now. <laughs> In the very last scene of the movie, we will not be reminded of this person's existence <laughs> or the fact that he is on the hunt for them. Oh. By the way, this is a two-hour movie. This did not warrant two hours. No. Hour and 57 minutes, right? Yeah. Every time I saw that, I went, oh, my God, really? And this is someone who loves the extended Mad, Mad, Mad World cut. Yeah. Okay, Richard Mulligan uh, is so dumb. This guy is so dumb. (laughs) What a dummy, you know? What a dumb it's. Like the dummy, the term dummy, it's like they named it after this guy, (laughs) you know? You get that feeling watching him. But boy, he's just lucking into shit. He just like lucks into a crate of bananas somehow. I don't know. He just like walks out of a grocery store. He's holding. He's eating a banana because he's just like a monkey man, you know. Yeah. And he, what's the next item on my list? Um, an Oldsmobile grill. And he oh, Rolls Royce. Rolls grill. Royce grill. Excuse me. 
Did anyone else get a Rolls Royce grill? No, this never comes oh. up again. No. And he turns around, and there's one right behind him, and it like takes him a minute to realize, and he's doing like the huh, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm enjoying I'm enjoying this Richard Mulligan business. Good. I will keep my mouth shut, and okay. I will not be. Critical. It's okay if you don't. I'm like, I you know, I'm grasping for something to enjoy at this point in the movie. I, I don't I don't blame you. Uh, and then he sees a guy in like an ex, a, a, a too long sequence. He sees the guy do an insurance scam where he well, it's not quite an insurance scam, but he's doing a slip and Jimmy. Yes, you know he's pretending yes. gets hit by a car in the parking lot until he gets paid. Um, yada <laughs> yada. This comes into play. <laughs> well, he so well it becomes a little bit of an extended gag, like right. too, too long of a gag where to get the grill off the car he is going to pretend to get hit by the car. This is what this this really perplexed me because I'm like he adopts this this guy's uh, plan so I could yeah, use because he's trying he's, he's unfastening it with the screwdriver which he has hidden in his banana which is kind of funny I didn't catch that <laughs> yeah he pokes it through his banana to the, I withdraw my entire criticism he's you know dismantling it and then he he views this guy do his scam and like oh I'll do that instead. Um, and so he's going to get, it turns out say, because we'll take the grill off your car. Yeah. Yeah. What? When you back into me, like he's not like you'll run into me front ways and then I'll <gasps> hold on to it or something. I don't know. And then he's going to, you know, because he's, um, we find out he's immortal cause he's going to get run over <laughs> fully bodily run over multiple times by both this car and other cars in the attempt to pull this off. Um, but what I like about the scene is that when we see the owner of the car come out, it's the most seventies looking woman, mm. you know, brunette edition. So she's, right. you know, if Charlize Theron was from the seventies. That's her. Right. Uh, yeah. A little less. Um, so, uh, Charlize is curvy. This is more of a twiggy build. You're right. I'm sorry. Right. You're right. You know, very straight, very, very straight line. No bra, like silk top, dark, uh, uh, brown Glasses. shaded sunglasses with like huge mm. <laughs> lenses. White pants, brown shirt. Yeah. yeah. Tank or some sort. Um, Drapey blouse. Like Bailey from blouse. WKRP, but a, a more fashionable version mm -hmm. than that. Um, and there will be zero interaction with this woman, which is too bad. She comes out to the car, and he thinks he's caught. And then, oh, he try he braces for an impact, and then she she does a pull through. She goes no, she goes back in the store. At first, yeah, that's right. So then he goes to sit behind the car. Pull through comes later. How could I forget? Oh no, she goes back in the car. She goes back in, and then he gets hit by the car next to her. Yeah. Then when like she comes Bronco. out, he gets behind her. She pulls through, and then the Bronco comes in and runs over him. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said the immortal part because I had the same thought. I was like, <laughs> it is a, okay, so he's obviously an immortal. It's kind of a nice camera move when the Bronco runs him over because yeah, it is. It is. He's you know he looks like he's ducking behind it. You pan with the Bronco pulling away, and then you tilt down, and now he's lying in the spot. It might be the one moment where. <laughs> Where our director shows an understanding of the visual grammar of comedy. <laughs> You're correct. Honestly. 
I agree. And then he's later hit by our team of servants who are driving around and are looking through the windshield. Don't see a man in front of them. No. They're being looky-loos. Doing a bit of rubbernecking. Okay. Um, What else? Uh, Tony Randall and his kids. So they're introduced by fighting. Right. Like the kids are all bickering loudly as he enters the, the mansion to hear the reading of the will. Right. Everyone, the, the um, will was delayed because they were waiting on him. Yeah. Right. And uh, Richard Benjamin has a kind of a funny line. He says, uh, bad news bears just broke parole <laughs> or breaking parole. An insert shot just for him. Yeah. <laughs> Say that. That, you know, pretty good yeah. 1979 pretty good. line, right? Yep. And so like the first thing we see him try to do is that he, they need a beehive and like, Dad, you're going to get stung by the bee. And like, we're kind of see like the different personality types of the kids. Well, the three kids who have gotten out of the car, the littlest girl is nowhere to be seen, presumably getting tutored tutor. or something. <laughs> Boy, we're on, we're in sync today. <laughs> um, but the oldest girl, like, doesn't believe in her dad. She's very skeptical. She thinks he's a fraud. Um, the kid in the San Diego Padres hat is like, no, dad is cool. And then crossword puzzle nerd kid with glasses who's always hugging his crossword puzzle. He's the brainy kid. So we're going to see him, like, supply clues and information later, right? And, like, we really, <laughs> we really seem like we're setting up a dynamic where he's going to have to, like, win his older daughter's faith back in him. And we think there's going to be like an arc with this, this group that's going to get resolved. Um, rest assured, this was none of this fucking matters <laughs> or will ever be thought of again for the rest of the movie. Right. No. Yeah. This is, it's this like, is a hanger. Just trust that. That never arrives. That's like in the waste paper bin that has been crumpled up and. We don't have time for that. This movie's already two hours long. You can almost audibly hear the writers go, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting paid enough to make this movie work. <laughs> he, he fucking goes to get a beehive and he's going to get stung by a thousand bees. He didn't need to bee stings on him for the rest of the movie. Like, he's not even itching. Right, right. Like, you, and, no, and the thing is, they, it doesn't, they, this they, scene could be in any order in the movie and it wouldn't matter. The camera stays on the road. It just watches Tony Randall run off and go do some funny bee business. By the way, there is no funny bee business. And the weeds are so tall, you can't see what he's doing. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> we assume he's getting stung. Uh, next time we see him, he has not apparently been stung. Next time we see him, he's in an inflatable raft. Yes. uh, (laughs) And he's completely fine. Truly a zero joke scene. (laughs) If there ever was one. If there ever was one. Like. Jesus. We don't. It's one of those scenes where the kids are on a dock. They're like looking through a telescope. This is you. You have as much setup as we do, guys. We're not leaving yeah, anything yeah. out here. Exactly. Kids are sitting on a dock, standing on a dock. They look into a telescope. They see their dad on a boat. Right. He's like looking for something. The boat. No idea what he's looking. The for. boat starts to leave the dock. 
this is bad because I mean he's gonna get he's wet from in his a kid. minute. <laughs> and then he has to get in the water and get back to them and swim back to them. Which and he which he does. She does. <laughs> so, which we watch through the telescope. And this is exactly as, as exciting and interesting as it sounds. Like it's not I kinda got there's the no feeling. second angle on this I, action. <laughs> I kind of got the feeling the crew did not like Tony Randall because every time they did a scene, they told Tony to just run away far from the camera and just do something over there. Just be over there. We don't we don't even want to smell you. Just you know, be over there. Like the, for this thing to work, like you need to like the character to make like a bad assumption. Like, yes, oh, it'll yes. be safe to go on there when we know it's not safe. Something he pisses a guy off that he shouldn't have pissed off, right? You know that he he's he's trying to do something that's impossible to do. Like you got to have some kind of stakes and some kind of dynamics in the scene to make this work. And instead, it's literally just he's on a boat. Oops, <laughs> he shouldn't be on the boat anymore. Now he's, oh, he's wet. off the boat. <laughs> You know what? And it's not even like like his kids are. It's not even like his kids are disappointed at him in this moment. Like, right? Oh, dad! There's not even that. Like, there's just no. It's just nothing. It's like zero. Like, if you're gonna, if all you're serving me is boiled water for dinner, at least could you sprinkle some salt in? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's the perfect description of this. this, These (laughs) storylines: boiled water for dinner. Jesus. I don't want to skip ahead too much, but I want to say the next scene that involves Tony Randall yeah. has a comic premise. The parachute that they somehow got oh, yeah. uh, deploys a premise. <laughs> yeah. Deploys out of the back of their station wagon. And they go, Oh no, Dad, the the parachutes come out. So guess what hilarious thing happens next? They stop and put it away. <laughs> They correct the problem. <laughs> and continue on their road. <laughs> continue on their road. I mean, Gert Frobe wouldn't stand for that shit. Nobody <laughs> notices that they have a parachute. This. Pulled behind Nobody them. Nobody stops them. Nobody. It's like it, nothing. Doesn't impact their gas mileage in a way. <laughs> That we care about. They just put it. They just put it back in the trunk. Yeah. It doesn't make them late for something. It's like, oh no, now we don't have enough time because we don't know what fucking time it is. We don't know if they have six hours or f- half an hour. Right. <laughs> no clue. <sighs> yeah. Z- yeah. Zero you know shots what? of a for- clock in a ticking clock premise movie. Yeah. <laughs> I will say. As much as I hated those magnificent men and their flying machines, yeah, this one's worse. This is worse. <laughs> it's worse filmmaking, for sure. It is. Oh, um, okay. So, like, yeah, let's just do all the characters once. Okay, so then uh, okay. he's going to end up, they need, um, so he's going to get a flat tire. That's right. And then he's going to wuss out and say, I can't, I can't change a flat tire. I'm just going to take a nap <laughs> next to the car. I'm, I've given up. Right. And the kids will like the older daughter is going to take the younger daughter and like by the hand and walk away. 
Um, and they're just going to wander off. And then they come back with the cowbell, which is one of the items on their list. And this is the big inspiration that if they work together as a team, then they can solve the, they can complete the scavenger hunt. I, I don't understand how this helps them change the flat tire, but. Right, exactly. <laughs> but now they're, they're rejuvenated because they found a cowbell in a field. Um, and that scene is which split we don't up see, with another scene. Which we don't see happen. Like, you know, right, they just walk back it. with the cowbell. And that's intercut with another scene. What's the other scene? Nephew's getting pulled over by a motorcycle cop. So it's like intercut. They break up that suspense. <laughs> oh, yeah. The editing is terrible in this movie. Um, yeah, there's a, something else. There's a bunch of times when they the gag could work if they didn't cut away for five minutes and then come back to it. Um, so then Tony Randall's going to go to... Uh, they need a. Well, they're all going to split up, right? They're each going to take a separate thing. Uh, he's going to get a medicine ball, so he finds a gym, and he goes upstairs. And now we watch the opening credits. We know that there's a special appearance by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. So now we're excited, right? Okay, Arnie's going to show up, and is this going to be like really awkward, <laughs> like just figuring out how to? be on screen no he's done pumping iron like right this is arnold schwarzenegger already in like fully charismatic mode right like understanding he's comfortable on camera yeah he understands how it works yeah understands yeah how to be in front of the camera right he like he understands his angles already like they don't need to dub him over he's yeah he's solid with that yeah his english is already as good as it's ever going to be in 1979 right here <laughs> He's fully locked in yes. to the scene. He's charismatic. And this is a real odd couple. I mean, this isn't just Jack Klugman <laughs> and Tony Randall. This is Tony Randall and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And That's right. an odd couple if I've ever seen they one. Should have re- they should have done the odd couple with them. You're right. Yeah. They could have been twins. They could have done twins. They could have done twins with they him. They could have done twins, too. Yeah. And Tony Randall, kind of a wimpy guy. And, like, you know, but uh, Arnie's going to be like, no, we're going to make a man out of you. And and so, so this is a scene with a comic premise. And so we, you know, right. and the payoff is we get to watch Tony Randall look tired as he tries to exercise and Arnold Schwarzenegger cheers him on. Arnold Schwarzenegger in a polo shirt the entire mm-hmm. time. His body, not really a gag in this movie. That was the biggest surprise of the movie for me. Is like yeah. you expect him to have his shirt off and you expect his body to be the joke, right? Right. Um, in fact, when when one of the items is to find the heaviest person, whoever has the heaviest person <laughs> and treats them like an object uh, gets fifty points. I thought like one of the payoffs was going to be they use Arnold Schwarzenegger as their heavy guy. That makes sense. You know, I didn't even think about that. So they get a bunch. All the other teams get fat people, and then one team gets Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like that's a payoff, right? Like that's a that's yeah. a gag, right? Um, but that's not it. In, it's just no. Instead, we're left with for a movie that has a ton of really loathsome images. The worst has to be there at the end when they've got the pins with all these objects in there. And then people, human beings, are sitting yeah. among the objects because they're fat. Yeah. That just, that's, that, I don't know which one's the low point in the series for me. Either the Native American putting his ear to the ground or this. Uh, it's just, it's just sickening. 
It's not funny. Yeah. It's just sickening. Uh, well, when we get back to face, and, yes, please, um, please, 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 and Willie Ames, we can talk more about that. <laughs> okay, so Arnie's good in the scene, right? Yeah, he is. He's actually good. Um, I mean, he's just got much competition. <laughs> I mean, there's not much going on, right? But it's like, oh, he didn't embarrass himself at all. Like he, no, not at all. He acquitted himself. Nor very was he well. given an opportunity to be funny. Yeah. Like, oh, well, you didn't really write any jokes for me, but I'm just going to play this part with enthusiasm yeah. and be locked in. And he was, you know, I'm like, okay, he understands himself. Um, and uh, according to the IMDb trivia page, which I think says it's quoting the Michael Schultz commentary on the DVD. Um, is that he? They asked Arnold to take his shirt off, and he refused because he was saving that for Conan. Conan movie. Oh, oh for Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. I thought for his appearance on Conan. Which is weird because he's already done <laughs> Pumping Iron, and you would think like getting people excited about Arnie, right? So that they would go like you know this yeah. is advertising for Conan. So it doesn't really. I don't really under. I don't believe that story, frankly. I think Arnold's no. a lot smarter than that. Um, as a you know, as a businessman. So then, the payoff to this scene, I you know, he throws a medicine ball in his Tony Randall's chest, and um, a stuntman who looks reasonably like Tony Randall falls through the window and onto the street below. And now he has the the now ball. He's got the medicine ball. That's it. He falls two stories onto the sidewalk, and he's immortal too, I guess. <laughs> See, you know, well, it's good that he strengthened his back thanks to. Arnold's workout techniques. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it must have worked. Okay. And that's about all for them, right? That's all the highlights, I that's think. That's all for the Tony Randall, I believe. Okay. Yes. So uh, who, who do you want to do next? Well, then we have... Um, we started the servants. Let's finish the servants. So, yeah, let's go to the servants then. Okay. So they they do their... Um, they do the toilet. They do their toilet heist. Yeah, yeah. Without turning off the water supply, so they flood the basement. And then uh, there is a little payoff to the scene where the hotel manager is like, "What's what? How do you explain all this? Who's going to deal with all this water?" And Roddy McDowell says, "Well, hire plumbers. We're specialists." Yeah. <laughs> good line. And then they walk out through the they carry the toilet, a toilet of all things, through a, a shishi party where a bunch of people are right. Which wasn't particularly funny, but what was impressive, though, was the three men's performances, how they pull it out, they see the party, two of them start to go back, and then right now just gently touches them, and they all understand. They all put on smiles, and they walk out. <laughs> it was like, it's, it was like a, a, a no-gag done well. Yeah. You know, it's, like, just it's something I had to appreciate. Well, character business, and, and riding yeah. without holding his socks out in front of him to dry yes exactly that was of course the thing um what do they do next they're eventually gonna get locked in a laboratory and this is one of the bits that's kind of like the getting locked in a basement part of it's a mad 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 that's right clearly oh before that though they go to a convenience store grocery store oh yes the stick and they have this they need a cash register we don't know that or do we no we don't nope Nope. Uh, we don't know the, what they're trying to do. And so they go in and they decide to put paper bags on their heads and rob the place by then and then empty the cash register onto the counter and take the cash register. Yeah, that's with the, a that's yellow the squirt gun. But then they go in 
and they put the bags on their heads. And then James Coco, I guess, didn't make his holes right. And he immediately freaks out yeah. and starts knocking. Kind of like Django Unchained. <laughs> yeah. Just starts knocking everything over in this poor guy's shop. He, he like, and this is, he spazzes. <laughs> he spazzes and doesn't realize he could take the bag that he himself put on his head off. Or just rip holes in the bag right or rip now. Bigger with holes. His fingers. Exactly. Yeah. He panics. And, um, I mean, he's a chef. And, he's not a crook. Right, exactly. But it's it's still a, a, a really unfunny scene. It's stupid. I felt bad. It's really stupid. I felt bad for everyone involved. Yeah. Payoff to this scene. Got. This scene actually has a payoff. Oh. Which oh. is they take all the money out of the register and leave it on the counter. Right. And take the register. They still. They still. Stole something, but they're not criminals. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, and when James Coco, the chef, uh, is spazzing out, what's the first thing he knocks off the shelves? Did you notice? It was Chef Boyardee, wasn't it? Campbell's or, Soup Cans, or maybe it was Campbell's Chef Campbell's Soup Cans, two-timer Call club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> put, it, put it on the list, the Campbell's Soup Cans. Yeah, okay. They're on the two-timer yep, club. Cannonball and... <laughs> 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 scavenger hunt. Scavenger hunt. Getting knocked off shelves during a during a convenience store tussle. <laughs> exactly. Same setting too. Yeah. Okay, it's going on the list. <laughs> See, it's these moments we live for. These are the moments. The sweet joy of life. Oh, and I thought the the thing for this was because Babette is like, "What's my role?" And like, you play, you drive getaway. And that's all they say to her. And so she jumps behind the wheel. And I thought she was just going to drive away. Yeah, that would have been funny. And then they don't have a getaway car. Yeah, I thought that's where it was going. But no. Sadly, that's not how it goes. Okay, can we talk about Babette for a second? Yes, we can. Okay, she's playing dumb. She's a French, buxom French sexy maid Mm -hmm. uh, showing off her legs. How do you think, was she rubbing you? Like normally this kind of thing Really rubs me wrong. Yeah. This isn't usually my <laughs> physical type. Right. Is the fact that this didn't annoy me in this movie just because I was so attracted to <laughs> Stephanie Pharisee <laughs> and the way she was, what she was doing with her legs in this entire movie, <laughs> which I thought was incredible. <laughs> It's nice to know that we can see the good things in this in this movie. Yeah, no, I, I was frustrated for her because she clearly had more talent than her role allowed. So, like, she was doing things I thought were really funny, but she also knew not to overdo it and not hang yeah. stuff on things that weren't funny. Yeah. So that meant that she just sat out a lot of stuff. Yeah, she's it, going into like, more rapid fire, uh, like farce mode. Then she's not yes. trying to draw anything out. Yeah, she's not right. Yeah, so I, 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 I was frustrated for her in having to take a back seat. And yes, she, she, she fulfilled both the producer's <laughs> goals, but also made it her own. I, I liked her a lot in this. Yeah. Okay. Just want to know for, if I for was me so, thinking with my brain what? or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, uh, near the end of the movie, when Cloris Leachman is crawling on the ground, I go, ah, I never noticed she's got a great ass. <laughs> I go, oh my God, what an ass on Cloris Leachman, man. 
that's top tier stuff right there. <laughs> so I don't know if that, I hope that's not disrespectful to say about the dead. I, I'd hope it would be some, you know, you've left us with so much to remember. <laughs> she might've really wanted her ass to be appreciated or, you know, I mean, she, I hope she did know? because it was, I, it, well, it really was. She's a national treasure and an national treasure. A national treasure as well. Huh. Um, yeah, we have to be. We're men. We can't. Sometimes it has to come out. <laughs> hey, when we think men are sexy too, we call it out. Oh, yeah. You know, Raul Julia. <sighs> yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah, the men aren't really are are do not successfully um, exude sexual power in this movie. I don't know. Cleavon Little's doing pretty good. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, he's a handsome man. So is uh, Dirk Benedict a little bit. Well, well mean, he's way too cover pretty boy. He's too. Uh, oh, and uh, I, you know my rule: no denim above the waistline. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, jean jacket. That's. No denim above the waistline. If, wow. If Beyonce well, doesn't look good in a denim hat, nobody can pull it off. Sorry. Right. That's that's true. Everyone that's true. looks worse with denim above the waistline. See, I come from the land of the Hoosier tuxedo, so, you know, we're just yeah. all denim. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <sighs> it's too bad because I really liked my jean jacket in the 80s. I really did. They look comfortable. I will never know. <laughs> Oh, look who's so high mighty over there. My, you know, I don't have a lot of fashion rules, but I have a few hard and fast ones, and that's my number one. That's that's yeah, a good one. Just... So then so then our, our team gets locked in the science lab. I forget what they're trying to accomplish in there. A microscope. Microscope. Yeah. That's right. So um this goes on for a while. Long time. But it does yeah. end in two things that I of note. One, it's the first thing where you're like it's not possible that Roddy McDowell could not get dirty in this scene and then he walks out unscathed yeah which is what makes it funny and then a janitor is murdered <laughs> well he is foamed <laughs> he's foamed but his his hands go horror movie style up to the doors and then that's it we don't see yeah, and a pratfall that's not good, by the way. It's no. not like he just falls. Oh, well, I didn't say he didn't deserve it. Yeah. I just pointed out that he was murdered. <laughs> uh, yeah, they uh, they get trapped to try to escape. They try to set up the fire alarm. Same thing Sid Caesar does in right. Mad World, right? Um and then chemicals mixed with Instead, chemicals. And this is kind of funny. They just set the sprinkler on fire, which is... <laughs> that was That funny. was kind of funny. Um, but it does go off. And then, yes, the water fills up a barrel of chemicals, which makes a, a flood of foam. <laughs> the kind that Scatman Crothers might envision at the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> um, that... Crushes the door open. Of course, Roddy McDowell has an umbrella. Uh, yes, for the of course he does. going off. With yeah, um, and then yeah, the janitor who couldn't hear their cries because of his Sony headset or whatever. Um, we don't even like get to hear what he's listening to. Like we should, you know, 
That's part of the yeah. gag is like when he's outside sweeping and he can't hear them because the headphones are on. Like we need to hear the music. Dee, 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 you know, like is he listening to rock music? Yeah, is he totally. listening to jazz? Like that's part of the gag is like podcast. He's listening to podcasts. He's listening to, he's listening to, um, to our four hour Oscar. He's listening to Don Imus. <laughs> Um, Rick D's. No, they're in San Diego. So Rick D's. Bob and Tom. You listen to Bob and Tom. Yeah, there you go. Um, Animal stories with without Chicago. (laughs) Lake Wobegon women, or (laughs) that's what he's doing. So again, the nice image of the three of them coming out covered in foam, and then Whitey McDowell coming out completely dry. Yeah, it's so much funny. It's good. It's good stuff. He should have. There should have been a pie fight that he didn't uh, get involved in. No, that would. Isn't been. there a pie fight in here though? No, no. Why do I have in my notes where it says another for the two timers club cream pies? Why do I have that here? Oh now? well, because a cop car drives through a cart of. Oh okay. Desserts right. at a bakery during the chase. There's going to be a chase later. Right. So yeah. So right. So yeah. Later, there culminates in a. Well, no, we haven't got to all the teams. But yeah. So that that's the that's the last thing we see of them before the end chase. Yeah. Okay. So then, what do you want to go? Do you want to go to the nephews? Let's do the nephews. So they, um, yeah, they get the jack in the box. They and then they then they stop to meet Dwayne from not necessarily the news. Oh. Isn't he from Not Necessarily the News? I don't know. I didn't recognize this guy. Yeah, I recognize him. I've seen him in a bunch. Of, he was he was I, the sheriff in Arachnophobia. I know that. He's in Honey. I'm pretty sure he was from Not Necessarily the News. Um, don't worry, dear listener. I won't let you go to bed without thinking about this. Dinosaurs. Stuart Pankin. He's Bob Cable Charles. Cable Ace Award winner not for Not Necessarily the News. Yeah. So he was in Arachnophobia in Congo. He was in Fatal Attraction and not necessarily the news. He's had a storied career of 167 credits. Um, Comedian. Lots of game of show appearances. A lot of these cast people had lots of game show appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, and, uh, what, he's, a, he's, a, he's a fat guy that they spot on a bench. No, he's walking. And, and it's my, um, again, my least favorite trope of any movie, especially so-called comedies, of the fat guy who cannot resist food and is only food-oriented. And the only time this joke ever works for me is with John Candy. <laughs> and yeah. uh, John Candy hated fat jokes, and Harold Ramis loved them, and he kept writing these fat jokes for John Candy to do, and he did not like them, but he made them... Dignified, mm. whereas everyone else, like seeing John Candy as Orson Welles pick up a whole turkey on his way out the door off of a Thanksgiving table is, is hilarious. But I cannot stand mo- these things of like, you know, that, that, that fat people are so guided by food that they, they it's a one-track mind and they're like, you know, horse with a carrot or something. Yeah. I just can't stand it. And so, here, so we have a lot of that in this movie, yeah. especially with him. Well, the funny, the funny bit here is when they're trying to coax him into the van, uh, but they don't want to tell him, so they say it's because of his checkered Close. shirt and sneakers. Right. 
And he's like, well, I got to go. I got to go to lunch. I'm going to lunch. Well, we have hamburgers and onion rings and, and they keep tempting him with food. So he keeps accepting the food. And he's like, but I, I got to go eat. <laughs> that kind of, kind of funny. But I'm going to lunch. I got to go to lunch. Um, he eventually gets in the car. I actually think Stuart Pankin's performance is pretty good. Yeah, he's a good he's a good actor. Um, he's given a shit joke to do, and he makes he makes it work. Yeah, I think my ending to the Jack in the Box sequence with the food filling the car would have made this scene work better. When he's like, "No, I gotta go," and if you're gonna do a fat joke, do a fat joke, like do it big. So like. To where they like open the van to the door and it's literally floor to ceiling like fries and burgers. Yeah. And then he can't not go in there. <laughs> He's so tempted. Like it's a mecca heaven of fast food. Do that then, you know? Come on. Although it, it's important that they have to um, dangle the promise of ice cream in front of him to keep him with them. Because it leads to my yeah. favorite line reading of the entire movie, which is... You know, people who really like ice cream will tell you that there's only one flavor, vanilla. <laughs> like, oh, there's future intonation game material right there. Vanilla. There <laughs> and that's just a funny line. Put... Yep. It's just a funny line anyway. Um, but while well, this guy's attitude, and this guy's got attitude, he really... Yeah. <laughs> he knows a good thing when he sees one. It's not they say he <laughs> wants to eat, he demands to eat. Yeah. And boy, do they get tired of feeding this guy. Even though they're going to have $200 million at the end of it, he's just, he's just too expensive to keep. <laughs> he's too expensive. <laughs> this is nonstop with this guy. Um, so they dump him... So, and then they spot a big lady sitting on a bench waiting for a bus or something. Um, so they make the swap. <laughs> and I don't remember how they get her in the van or whatever. They, they, they don't. They don't say it. She just, they literally see her on the bench. They stop. They push Dwayne out. Yeah. You don't see it happen. And then the van drives away. And now Dwayne's standing there. And then the fat lady's gone. Right. And now fat lady is the jolly fat person stereotype. Yeah. She's just yeah. always always laughing, always has a laugh. I'm not concerned for my safety one bit. Yeah. I'll just do whatever. <laughs> right. Um, and we don't, do we even know her name? I want to say it's Kay. Okay. She doesn't even have I a link. I want to say it's Kay. Margie Martin. I, I don't know what else she's done. Um, well, at some point they're going to get, um, oh, they get a twofer at a dentist's office. We don't see him. They just face just runs out, and he's he's got nitrous oxide. And this will set up a very funny gag, and we know it's funny because everybody's laughing. Is where <laughs> the canister opens up, and so they all are giggling from the giggle gas. Um, and you know how it's funny to watch people fake laugh for five minutes straight. Oh, it's, 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 it's always it's good. hysterics. Always good stuff. Just infectious. Always it's like stuff. watching people yawn on screen. <laughs> you just can't help yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? There you go. And then they get pulled over for weaving because they're laughing. Um, and here, uh, the, the cop, 
this should be like a, a cameo. This should be like you, you get somebody for this scene because this is a one right. scene cameo. This should be a cameo. Right. This should be a face we recognize. And instead, it's like the most unconvincing non-cop cop, <laughs> like just playing it straight. Like he's not really playing it funny. So what is yeah. he doing? I don't know. Um, We've seen a lot of motorcycle cops in this series. Yeah, it's true. This is by far the worst. This is the worst. And he's like, well, I'll figure out what you're high on. And he goes in there and he's going to get happy too. Uh, and he's going to come out with all of his clothes off. Wearing his undershirt. Because that's what happens when you laugh. Because what happens? I mean, he... Maybe... Um, Maybe Margie Martin, you know, got uh, him in the mood. We don't know. We didn't see what happens. He comes out in his boxer and undershirt. Um, and so it will be very funny when we see later in the credits that he is credited as naked policeman. <laughs> exactly. Also with his gun belt on. So he took his pants off right. without removing his gun belt, which is kind of funny. And his helmet and sunglasses. So it was actually... And shoes. Um, and kept his motorcycle keys because he's driving that around later. We're going we're gonna to see him at the end. <laughs> now, hold on. While I disrobe my pants, I got to make sure I have my keys yeah. with me. Um, and so what else do these people do? I don't know. So uh, uh, they're driving around. An attraction apparently cute. develops between the stepdaughter and um, the shorter, less handsome nephew. Because they will kiss at the end. That's right, they do. But like, we really don't part. see any chemistry develop or them actually interact much. Like, we still don't know why she's on this team. She, we don't know how she feels about her family. Like, none of this. Like, none of this. None of this. Not, no, not, nothing there. <laughs> um, do they do anything else? Uh, I'm checking it out because they, I think the most. The rest of this movie. Oh, they're going to go get a crystal ball, but that's going to, that's where. That's right. They go to a palm reader. That's where they're going to intersect with the other people. Uh, Liz Torres as Lady Zero. Emmy award winning, multiple Emmy award winning Liz Torres for the John Larroquette show, which I never watched. So, yeah. So I think that's it for them. Okay. Um, And then now we come to Richard Mulligan. Richard Mulligan. Richard Mulligan's... Um, uh, before we uh, do that, can we take a little sidestep? Because okay. there's going to be a guy who's actually my favorite performance in the movie. I, I think I know you're talking about it. I was going to save him until after it's all done because it apparently it's never... It's not clear, but it eventually becomes... This is the, the uh, junction box where every single team came to. We just never saw them, right? Right. Yes, That's so we're talking about the same thing, yes. right? At the San Diego Avery Zoo. Schreiber. Avery, Avery Schreiber's Schreiber. performance, yes? Is that what you're talking Avery about? Avery Schreiber from Chico and the Man, which I've never seen. Mm-hmm. Lots of game shows, Dorito commercials. I don't know, bunch of stuff. I have been waiting to discuss this with you. Okay. I've been very All excited right. to discuss this with you. He's the guy who's the zookeeper responsible for the ostriches. One of the items on the list is ostrich. He, Which we didn't know. We didn't know. Before this scene. This guy has five ostriches. There are five teams. We didn't know there are five. Because the first time we see him, there are three. 
two have already been stolen. We don't know how. We don't know who has them. But we don't know who still apoplex- needs them. Right. Nope. Don't know. No stakes. Remember, this is no stakes are allowed in this movie. <laughs> but we suddenly meet this zookeeper who is apoplectic that his ostriches, two have, have gone missing. Yeah. And as he's saying it to his boss, another goes missing. Yeah. And his list gets worse. And he's he's saying this in the most like exaggerated, cartoonish, like more cartoonish than Sylvester the Cat cartoonish. Yes, like, very much so. The broadest possible comedy. The stupidest possible shit. And it fucking floored me. <laughs> I completely agree. It was, was so like, funny, this guy. He went for, you want to see bad comedy? Yeah. I'll give you bad comedy. And he fucking nailed it. Yeah. And it's hilarious. Yeah. I love it. Like, could you like juice this scene for me a little bit? Like, juice it? I'll shoot steroids into my dick for you. <laughs> Watch me fucking electric socket. That's how much juice I'm going to give you. And like every little wink of his eye and twitter of his big bushy mustache, every single ounce of his performance works for me. (laughs) We can't not. It was so good. And, you know, like, what's my runtime? Okay, it's like it calculated it. Like, oh, I'm on screen for six minutes? Okay. (laughs) If I was on for more than six minutes, I might have to dial this down. But six minutes, full bore, you know? Straight line (laughs) racing. I'm a drag racer in this this shit. (laughs) If if someone was going to say to me, uh, Wade, what's the um, gas station sequence? of this from it's a mad 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 world what's the gas station fight sequence of scavenger hunt and i would say avery schreiber's yeah, performance avery schreiber <laughs> telling the zoo director that two ostriches are missing <laughs> <laughs> now isn't isn't there parts of, in the scene when he because he, he gets to where he gets a, a gun and starts patrolling around the remaining yeah. ostrich or ostriches okay. And this is what's somehow, wrong with this movie in a nutshell. Yeah. Then the ostrich are actually pulled through the ground. Somehow. Right? Somehow. Somehow. We don't know. So we don't know. We have people we don't who know. don't know how to take toilets out without turning the water off. But somehow they developed a tunneling system that they can not only squeeze ostriches through a tiny hole, but also get them out through this tunneling system. Without killing it and, and here's the, into their car. And here's the fucking thing. We don't know who's doing it because we don't know who still needs the ostrich. We don't know who they are. There were, there were four ostriches. There's one left. The, the zookeeper is like on full alert, armed. It's never been more difficult to get an ostrich than it is right now. <laughs> For somebody, this is a challenge to overcome. This is how you fucking build a movie. Somebody has to 
come up with a solution to this problem. And then they have to execute it correctly. And then be rewarded for their efforts. Yes. But no. Satisfaction <laughs> gained. just started talking about this scene and and that all that's all we talked about for the movie yeah and said no like he's walking around an ostrich his back is turned the ostrich disappears into the ground he notices the zookeeper that is he's sad (laughs) that's it (laughs) next scene now nobody driving away with an ostrich head sticking out their window when it got to the end, the last when it got to the last ostrich, I thought to myself, Richard Mulligan needs an ostrich. So is, he, is the gag going to be that he's just going to walk in and say, "Hey, can I take this off, right, ostrich?" And he'll go, "Yeah, sure." And then he walks away, and then Avery will throw his hat down or something. That would work. But no, Richard Mulligan was also crafty enough. Was it Richard Mulligan? I thought it was Tony Randall who. Yeah, how did he get one? I thought it was Tony Randall. Oh, well, who was? I don't who who did the the last ostrich. Oh yeah, but we don't know. See this? We have like, no idea. We know it wasn't Georgie and Cloris Leach. It wasn't the servants because I think the servants were the first ones to to bring an yeah. ostrich out. We see two people drop ostriches off. Two teams. <laughs> There's three left. We don't. Yeah, people, trust us when we say. Watch the watch the Avery Schreiber scene and then smash the DVD with a hammer. Seriously, Very much so. this movie sucks. <laughs> it's, it's glorious, though, that the best scene is also the most confounding scene. Right, it's it, this. His performance is. I mean, the best scene is the first, the first Avery Schreiber scene. The, the oh, the first good. Avery Schreiber's never bad. He's. <laughs> I stand Avery Schreiber, but the, the first <laughs> scene is the best one, and so you can really exactly just, it's the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you. <could. laughs> uh, does he does he show up at the end? I can't remember, or is he just he just sad? Yeah, uh, no, he shows up at the end because that's, that's right. the first shot with. Where you see multiple ostriches. I kept imagining they were using the same ostrich over and over again. Right, right, right. And then he runs from one ostrich to uh, another. And so, oh, they rented at least two ostriches (laughs) for one day. Um, Wouldn't it be funny if the production was the first scene we have to have four ostriches and say one is lost. And they're like, get there. And they said, well, we got a problem. They lost an ostrich this morning. (laughs) Oh, so the first time we see him, it's got to be three ostriches? How's this going to work? <laughs> hey, I got an idea. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. What if it doesn't matter? What if it doesn't matter? What if the audience already hates the movie at this point and it doesn't matter? <laughs> we got their money. It doesn't matter. Does not matter. Uh, they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll already have left. They'll <laughs> <laughs> have left for sure about this <sighs> That's how we're gonna cut our budget on this. That's thing. how we get around. Oh, <laughs> you think they're gonna still be there? 
God. Let me tell you about this business. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. So, yeah, so that monstrosity delight behind us. Um, we left off with Richard Mulligan. I yes. think that he's been run over three times. Yeah. And um, the next time he's uh, trying to steal a bridal dress. Yeah. Out from under the nose of Scatman Crothers. Scatman Crothers, son of Terre Haute, Indiana. Shout out to friend of the podcast, I didn't Joel. Know that. I didn't know he was from Terre Haute. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, you couldn't tell from his accent? No, I couldn't. <laughs> Usually they have a much higher reedy rasp in Terre Haute. What's well, all the air quality is so bad? Uh, Scamman Crothers, you've seen him in Silver Streak. You've seen him in the Twilight Zone, the movie, in the worst segment. You've seen him in Zapped. Uh, he's the voice of Jazz, the Autobot. Um, yeah, he's in lots. Of, he's in the Aristocats. Kung Kung Fui. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Very distinctive voice and presence. And we get to hear him sing a little song, playing his guitar while. Guarding the the bridal dress shop, um, and he will join uh, uh, Richard Mulligan and now their team, which is cool. So imagine um, if Phil Tippett's character, not much. Phil Tippett, yeah, Phil Tippett. Who, who's Phil, Phil Tippett? Silvers. Phil Silvers. Am I the first person to confuse Phil Silvers with Phil Tippett? Maybe. Who's Phil Tippett? Phil Tippett is a uh, special effects wizard who had, who made a lot of the Star Wars oh, yes. effects. Okay. He played the Rancor. And, yes, you are and he the first. He was puppeteered the Rancor and stuff. He made Mad God recently, one of the great films from last year. That guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, you were the first person yeah. to do that. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Phil, I go, if, imagine if the Phil Silver's role was like a nice guy that just kind of tagged along. <laughs> from uh, it's a mad mad world that's this yeah i mean he's the and that, he's the and that jonathan Anderson. winters wasn't funny <laughs> and there's no i mean there's just like zero chemistry between him and richard mulligan right. like neither of them's bad but they're not playing off each other there's no no you know there's no reason why these two are the team and you know richard mulligan brings excuse me dummits brings uh scatman crothers out to his car to prove that the $200 million scavenger hunt is real by showing him a trunk full of shit. <laughs> He's like, wow, you on the level? It was like... Yeah, a minute ago, he thought he needed to be institutionalized. And now... And now he's this, like, oh, uh, you didn't just steal one item, you stole 20? Oh, well, then so you, must be, <laughs> you must be... You must be legit. This is not how create mental patients act. Yeah. Surely not. Oh, you have a moose head and a torpedo? <laughs> All right. I apologize for mistrusting you. Exactly. Let us be on our so, way. So then what comes up, I think, after that is a rather embarrassing... I mean, there's a bunch of jokes uh, in that scene of their error about... You know, ugly brides and men, and men getting married to men and stuff like that. But um, being being inherently funny. But I think the next scene that they're in, if I'm not mistaken, is a, an incredibly unfunny sequence in a museum. Right? Where uh, 
Richard Mulligan ends up wrapped up as a mummy. He doesn't end up. He chooses to. This is oh, he his, chooses he to. He needs That's to come right. up with the distraction. So the, the item on their list. So this is one where we actually know what the fuck they're trying to do. Because um, they tell us, they, we're informed that the item on their list is a, a an armor, a suit of armor. Um, and so, like, well, how are we going to take it out of here? It's in the middle of a museum. And uh, Scatman Crowther says, well, I'll just wear it out of the museum because there that won't be suspicious. It'll be less suspicious <laughs> if I'm wearing it than if I'm carrying it. But I still need a distraction so I can put it on. <laughs> and then I can walk around and nobody will think twice. Nobody will think know? twice. Um, and so, uh, so, so Dummett's... The cab driver, Richard Mulligan, uh, he sees a first aid shop. Well, his first idea is he notices the nudity of the statue of David. Oh, yeah. That's and does uh, some triple takes there. Um, <laughs> so maybe he's <laughs> contemplating streaking, which would have maybe been funnier than what happens. But I do believe probably uh, right. he sees a first aid room, an entire first aid room. And so he goes in, he comes out. Wrapped as a mummy. Now, wrapping yourself as a mummy to create a distraction and then acting like a mummy. And he's doing like he first does the Boris Karloff crossed arm thing and then he does the armed arm yeah. thing. He's doing mummy business. Not that funny. The entire museum screaming and running in terror and like people falling down. They're so frightened as they run from him. I actually right. thought it was kind of funny. Like the fact that it terrifies people out of their wits constantly whenever they encounter him, I thought was kind of funny. Until he puts his hat on. And then the kids are like, wait, mummies don't wear hats. (laughs) You know, even though he failed to wrap the tips of his fingers. So his naked, (laughs) fleshy fingers, fingers pink Blood-infused flesh is showing uh, through his bandages. That doesn't tip anybody off, but the hat does. He took it a little too far. And then Scatman falls down some stairs. No, okay, yeah. Here's one of those gags that he... um, why, Why he, like, backs up and doesn't notice a sign for stairs, and then we see him fall sideways out of frame... And we know he's going downstairs because the sign says, we don't hear the clang, 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 clang. He just right. you know, falls out of frame. Cut away. Um, and then we just like watch a bunch of other stuff happen. And now we're with the, uh, the, 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 the lawyer, the Georgie, the Cloris mm-hmm. Leachman, the sister. They pop out of an elevator. Oh, we, we forgot a bit with them. We, we forgot a bit with them. Anyway, they yeah. have their second ordeal with an elevator. Um, yeah, we haven't we haven't discussed the, the that team. Yeah, yet, so. okay. They fall out like we didn't see. Like they fall out of an elevator, and they're on top of each other, and that's supposed to be the funny business that they're stacked up like three stooges or something. But then they just look right. over and like, oh look, a suit of armor, like that's just next to us on the floor. Let's just pull it. And okay, that's ours now. Like, we don't see it at the bottom of the stairs. Like, they don't, you know, like, 
There's no A plus B. Like, we don't even see the full right. suit of armor. It's just like, there's like pan over a little bit. Like, oh, there's like a head and shoulders of a suit of armor. Like five minutes after, like, there's no... <laughs> like, I really thought I missed something, but I went back yeah. and checked. Because, like, did I fall asleep? Like, you know? Oh, you wished you would to have. Be that, to, for that to be... Like, the things aren't don't actually connect, you know? Um, no. It's just like such a oh yeah the, I forgot the we got to get the armor in here there it is um, go you know drag it away right um, it's so offhand it's so uh, it's like and, oh and like, here it is and this yeah. is a moment of consequence like the in, as it turns out the result of the movie is going to hinge on this moment <laughs> they don't care about it at all. And you know, oh. I like I I don't want I don't like insulting people. Michael Schultz has directed a lot of movies, but you know they they often you know this, the thing you say about a, a good director they know where to put the camera, yeah. and this is just like this one shot is just like Michael Schultz doesn't know where to put the camera. You know, yeah, like there's just no visual language happening here. It's just no, not at all. Well, I need. I need this stuff to get into the lens. It did. So that's lunch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and and that's, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so, so, you know, Mulligan ends up suspended by his own mummy wrappings and Scatman Crothers is taken off, is, is absconded with uh, unknowingly by the yeah. villain team. Another human treated as an object. <laughs> Another human treated Although as an object. Although they don't know they're doing that. Uh, at this, and the next moment. time you see him, he shows up at the end with uh, Stephen First strapped to his hood, who we've not seen in this movie yet. No, he's credited. He's in. He's credited in the opening. He's sequence. in the special appearance credits. So keep yeah. waiting. But this is a year after Animal House, so that was enough to yeah. to, to get to, him in. To there. get him that that credit. But he's like in. Yeah, he shows up at the very end and has like two lines. And uh, look, I'm fatter than everyone else. Like that's basically the joke. Yeah. Um, now, we, we we forgot two scenes with the two nephews and the stepdaughter. Okay. Uh, Dirk Benedict and Williams, they, they go to see Ruth Buzzy for her arms uh, No, not uh, Ruth closet. Buzzy. Um, that was a Ruth Buzzy? Who was no, that? No, no, it's Maude from Harold and Maude. Um, oh, I, but I thought that was Ruth no, Buzzy. No, 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 no. That is Ruth Gordon. Ruth Gordon. Who's I'm sorry. My fourth fault. Fourth build. Ruth Buzzy. She's in this one scene. Yeah, fourth build in this movie, extremely funny. She's very good in this scene. Yeah, she's very good in general. Yeah, she's very. She's got a little speech about how she's, she's she has she had better things to do. I think <laughs> this movie. Yeah, I think she's like in four shots. I don't. How do they end up at this? Oh yeah, that's right. We get the story that uh, she rescued face from a mugging. Right. Um, she donned some brass knuckles and a switchblade. They met during a mugging him. rescue, and so everyone assumed, right. oh, he rescued the little old lady, and no, she she brings out her brass knuckles. No, she rescued him. They right. go to her house because they need a bulletproof vest. Um, a grenade pops out. She's like, oh, that that's just a paperweight. The live one's by the howitzer in the pantry. Ha ha. <laughs> she's got... <laughs> She's got um, little old gun nut lady. She's got a uh, little crochet about maiming on her wall, uh, cross stitch, and yeah, it's a little gag that 
and the, whatever. The other the scene we skipped over, and I can't believe we missed this, was uh, the scene where they go to, I guess, a, a sports game and end up in the locker room where the whole team comes in oh, yeah. and so they hide in the lockers and they get jock straps in their faces. Yeah. And in scene. Yeah. Let's uh, San Diego, pa- uh, not Padres, the Chargers, not wearing their yeah. powder blues, already in their dark blue helmets. One of the great tragedies of sports fashion was Chargers <laughs> had the greatest uniforms of all time. Their their powder blues, but then they change it to dark blue for some reason. Maybe to be more like the Los Angeles Rams. I don't know. And mm-hmm. um, Telling weird you that, product that... placement in their locker room. There's a Pepsi dispenser. Like a Pepsi fountain <laughs> dispenser. Like you want your athletes like at halftime chugging Pepsi instead of <laughs> they get all bloated and water. gassy and, yeah. and kind of sugar crash about halfway through right. the next inning. <laughs> Third quarter. <laughs> so <Come> dumb. <laughs> yeah. So um Well you know there was something to talk about in that scene. What do you know? Um Okay, so yeah, so that's that concludes that one. So then, do we just have our villain team left? Is that right? The the ostensibly the the villain team: Cloris Leachman, young uh, Richard Mazur, and uh, Richard Benjamin. Yeah. So, so we talked about we lost left them at the carnival, right? Yeah. And then the next thing they do is they they realize they have a safe on the list. And then they can well, go to Richard Benjamin's we office. We don't know it's a safe. Because we just we just saw a cash register get stolen. Right. Uh, did they say, do they ever say the word that they need a safe? I assume. Oh, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, he just comes in and he presents the safe. This is in my office. And it's. He just says the combination with every denomination. But I'm like. Oh, that's the clue, isn't it? Yeah. Because they all have like little riddles that to solve. And this is right after we watched the servants steal the cash register. So I'm like, right. well, are they going after a cash register? Do they think they need a safe when they actually need a cash register? Is that a joke here? <laughs> I don't know. Do they just need something that contains money? Like, what's the what's going on? But no, apparently there are two yeah. different items on the list. We don't get the clue on the list, and we don't get... We- a definitive don't know what's answer going for the clue and don't know. Okay. The only funny thing that happens is that as they enter the room, there's a portrait on the wall of apparently what's supposed to be a Richard Benjamin's ancestor. And it's just Richard Benjamin in pretty bad age makeup going like With the, making this horrendously mad face. Yeah. And that made me laugh. That was kind of, that was kind of good. Um, yeah, and they have to take this big... Oh, and he turns on the light, and no lights... The lights are already on. <laughs> it's the switch, but the lights are already on, and no change happens. <laughs> um, so Georgie's a big brat, the son. He's like an overgrown mm-hmm. five-year-old. Um, yeah, Pretty annoying through the whole movie. Yeah. Um, There's rarely any funny parts with him yeah, at all, actually. Yeah, refuses to help... They go to the elevator. Elevator's out of order. There's elevator keeps going out of order. Gag. <laughs> out of order. Now, did you find it funny that the workmen would always just show up and hang the sign whenever, like inexplicably, like it's within minutes of each of taking it off and coming back on? I mean, did that? No. Did that give you any sort of? It's, you know, joy? it's kind of a Looney Tune thing. 
but it, it felt very Looney Tunes. Yeah, yeah, but the like is the timing of it wasn't very sharp, and I don't no. know. Um, no, the timing was bad, and it didn't make any sense. There was a great before. reaction by Richard Benjamin, though, when he's like, "Well, just a minute ago it was working," and then the the serviceman says, "Well, just a look at me. A minute ago I wasn't here talking to an idiot," and Richard Benjamin's <laughs> like, "Huh? What? Hmm. Oh, okay. Wait. Uh, oh, yeah." Like, you know, <laughs> it's all silent, but he does end up going, a, huh, you know, kind of. That's true. He does one of those Jordan Peele things. Um, but then they, so they have to take the safe down the stairs. And here's like, Michael Schultz, go watch the the music box with Laurel and yeah, Hardy. the music box. The blueprint is right there. Yeah. And no, there's just no... There, Again, there's just no visual grammar to what's happening. It's just, it would suck to take a safe downstairs. Like, that is the, that's the joke. Siggy's face right now is just covered with, I can't, I I can't express this enough. There's no visual language. I mean, it's literally like, you see Cloris Lee's when she's holding it with a rope, and with her skinny little legs, like straining to hold it up, and Richard Benjamin's at the bottom of the stairs, and he's like, "Okay, let go of the rope slowly, and I'll ease it down with my back." And he's got like he's in push-up doing like wall push-ups. In a you know mid wall push-up with the safe against his back, and he's like, "I'll let go of the rope. I'll ease it down with my back." This is the kind of setup you would see in the music box. Except it's just like it's not framed right, and she just lets go, and he just mm-hmm. goes, "Ah, that's uncomfortable." Except without saying those <laughs> words, that's it. Like it hurt when that happened. Like that's, and it goes on that, forever. Like it takes a long time for them to get this. That might be the tagline for this movie: "Scavenger Hunt." It it hurt when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I didn't want. <laughs> and then they end up accidentally in the elevator again, which suddenly works, and they go to the top floor, and now it doesn't work again, out of service immediately, and yada, yada, yada. What's kind of funny is it's going to go down the stairs again and out a window and fall right in their car, and they're happy. And then their car, and they're happy. And then their car yeah. still drives, even though it just... Even though we just saw it get destroyed. Yeah. After that, I think after that is when they go to Club Death. Oh, yes. Okay. They need a foxtail. And we don't know this <laughs> until he sees the foxtail on the t- into the gr- of one of the yeah. motorcycles. He's on the, one of the his foxtail. Zoom. Zoom in. Um, and so he's like, oh, he must need that. Hey, some visual grammar to this movie. We can make an inference based on visual information we've just been given. This doesn't happen very often in, in Scavenger Hunt. So he goes over there. No. And, uh, you know, it was either uh, Paul Rubens and um, what's his name? Um, the co-writer of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. They watched this movie. Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. Thank you very much. Uh, they watched this movie and said, "Oh, this scene could work if you put made it funny, put jokes in it." 
let's let's redo this scene and put it in our movie um, because the scene is in their movie, including the knocking motorcycles down like Domino's part and then getting yeah. chased. The the apparently the bearded wing of the um, Peace Corps. They call the Peace Corps, but it's P I E C E. Get it because. Um, when you like destroy something, I guess it's in pieces afterwards. Although that would be called pieces right. core. <laughs> and this is singular. <laughs> so piece like a gun you carry. I don't know. It's not really clear. Or what the, piece like a piece of ass. I assume maybe is that it? I don't. It's, it's it's not peace with like hey peace and love man. Piece of meatloaf. And so they drag him inside and deliver him to what's apparently the beardless wing of the Peace Corps, <laughs> led by Meatloaf, and a complete zero of a of a cameo. Yeah, um, totally. She's like, "Look, it's Meatloaf," and apparently, like, if I remember my Meatloaf history correctly, like this is when he's like so wasted. Yeah. And like unable to perform in the studio that Jim Steinman like takes the album away from him and gives all these songs to other artists. And so like um, uh, making love out of nothing at all is given to air supply and total eclipse of the heart is given to uh, what's her name. Oh, those were all meatloaf. Those were all songs for wow. like a meatloaf album that Jim Steinman wrote for meatloaf and like meatloaf was so fucked up at this point. He just, he took them away and gave them to other artists. And when you listen to him, wow. like, oh yeah, these are totally meatloaf songs. Like, it, I know I can totally hear "Total Eclipse of the Heart" yeah. as a meatloaf song. Yeah, that's totally meatloaf. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, Make love at nothing out of all. Yeah, that's all right. Um, and yeah, this was like a real he, meatloaf can't I, I even stand chills. up right. He's like leaning against the even when he's supposed to be threatening, <laughs> like he can't exactly. He's so fucked up. Um, it's really sad. He looks he looks like shit too. Yeah, uh, I'm glad he he got, he got it together later in life. Um, and became a asshole, but you know, <laughs> politically, <laughs> but whatever. Um, and so he gets beat up. When they beat him up, he says, "Beat him to death." And so when they punch him, this is kind of funny. When they all like lay him down to the pool table and surround him, so that. Their backs are to us and we can't see him. And we see their fists go down. Little bits of cloth fly up. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, he comes out. He knocks over the motorcycles like dominoes. They chase him down an alley. He crawls out of the alley. Not only now is his suit torn up, he's got motorcycle treads on his suit. Ha. Like, like comical, ha. comically large, cartoony. Ha. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that. Oh, wow. Wait, and, you, these... and the points he loses from that will not matter. <laughs> he will not be sorry he lost that box tail for one second. <laughs> he doesn't even think about it again. So finally, the bad guy team, they decide to start stealing from the other teams. or They, they spot the opportunity. And this is over an hour and 20 minutes into yeah. the movie. And I forget where this starts. Does this start with them? Like, they come across the car. The servants are still locked in the laboratory. I, they come across the car and steal all their stuff. Right. Um, um, they find the van, the orange van. 
Um, yeah, while they're trapped in with the the San Diego Chargers, right? No, that's while they're at the oh, um, oh the psychic because she. This is kind of good. They they go up to a psychic shop. They knock on the oh. before they even knock on the door. Lady Zero, played by Liz Torres, um, comes out and says, she's looking in her crystal ball and says, you need a crystal ball and it's for $200,000 or $200 million. See, I did it again. I did it again. <laughs> Thousand million. Yeah. Um, and like she already knows what they're going to ask her for. And that's funny. But she spots that, wait a minute, you know, in cryptic language, your van is being robbed because right then... Their van is being robbed, uh, and they run right. over, but not in time to stop them. And so uh, now that blue convertible is just like chock full of stuff with Georgie riding on a rocking horse, like on top of the pile in what looks pretty like a pretty dangerous stunt. Yeah, um, really does. And then there's a chase scene. So the van is chasing them. The uh, Lincoln Town car with the servants is chasing them. I assume it's a Lincoln Town car. The uh, a, a single they drive past the police station, a single police car. That's all they could afford in their budget. I guess <laughs> a single police car takes off after them, and now we get a little chase uh, with some stunt driving. I have to say, the Richard Benjamin stunt driver who's driving that blue car, he's actually pretty good. I was pretty impressed with uh, with his stunt driving. It's not it's not bad. Nothing very interesting happens. No, it's not very interesting, but it's it's pretty good stunt driving considering that he's got a stunt man up on top who does not seem to be strapped in very well at, at all. That yeah. could easily go flying, yeah. or get clipped by anything. I mean, he is wearing a <laughs> San Diego Chargers helmet, <laughs> right? Uh, which was an item on the list. Um, like the the town car drives through a store window. I don't know. The p- cop car drives through a cart. It's not one of their characters. It's just a cop car drives through the dessert cart. You drive your characters through that. And so now they have the pie on them for the rest of the movie. Whatever. Oh, right, 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 Whatever. right. You got to see people get upset about what they're driving through. Right. Character reactions <laughs> to things. Exactly. You know, the, the stuff matters. Um. They end up back at the mansion. Uh, how much time is left? We don't know. We have no idea. We don't know how much. We just think they're chasing him. How close are we to five o'clock? We don't know. Definitely we do know that the rules say once your items are in the bin, those points count for you. Right. So the blue car drives up and they put their stuff in. Now here's... Visual language, people. The people in the blue car don't put their stuff in the blue bin. They've been assigned the black bin. (laughs) A different team has the blue bin. The team with the black car doesn't use the black bin. They use a different bin. There's two orange vehicles, the orange taxi cab, the orange van. There's no orange bin. You see what I mean? Like, yeah, it's it's infuriating. Yeah, like I, we're we're supposed to keep track of whose bins is who. Like, give give me something. 
It's no, gonna really, it's the, gonna really matter see, later who's been is who's because like we're gonna see they, who's they, got more. They, that's the problem. They do not care about the audience keeping track. They did not think about it. Was not what is happening in our about. brains, right during the watching of this movie. Um, and so there's a a kind of comedy I generally don't like. And I just call them yelly comedies, which is just a lot of people yelling at once. It happens a lot in Mad World. Um, It happens a fair bit in The Great Race, um, where it's just multiple people yelling at once to amp up the humor. And now we get like, it feels like half an hour of people yelling nonstop. Right. And it's honestly like headache inducing. Yeah, it's about that. It's Um, about that. A lot of squabbling over, well, they stole their stuff. Well, there's nothing against that in the rules. Once it goes in the bin accounts, ha-ha, it's ours and not yours, um, et cetera, et cetera. So everybody shows up. Everybody starts piling their stuff in. It's very obvious that the bad guy team has the most stuff. Which is also weird because we actually saw them acquire the least (laughs) I know, but they stole it. Then they stole it from well, they start stealing teams. things. That's right. That's and right. then there was a weird scene where Georgie is like talking to two prostitutes. Yeah, but we don't hear what he says, and so it's not. There's no gag there. And then right. they walk away, and we just like watch their flat butts walk away, and then and they say this neighborhood's getting weird. Yeah, they say. And then Richard Benjamin is like paying off two hoods, and he says, "I'll see you at five, or I don't know what." But we don't know what's going on, and that's and, never mentioned again. Did they ever get paid off? I, did they show up here at 5 They o'clock? do, because they have, like, a big oh, okay. golden globe stretched to the top of their car. Oh, and, like, okay. it's already we already know that they're cheaters, but then, like, this right. is a further outrage that they have recruited more help. And Richard Morley's like, no rules against recruiting help. And they're like, what? Um, and so they just keep right. piling more and more stuff in there. The accountant, Cornfield, is doing his yeah. tabulations, uh, played by Hal Landon Jr., mm. and you may recognize him as Ted's dad in the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure movies. Yep. Um, where he's the strict... He's been, done a lot of stuff. The strict uh, father here, he's kind of a, a nebbish accountant with... The most unfortunate hairline <laughs> in the movie, probably I've ever seen. <laughs> like this is this is where you just shave your head. Um, I think is it? Is yeah, this, this is what you're rocking. Go go Willis with that. You got to Bruce Willis that shit. And it's this this part of the movie is just interminable. It's really awful. Finally, Roddy McDowell says, "Well, if you can receive help, then you can give it." So let's move all of our stuff into one of the other bins to help them beat the assholes. Right. And they pick the at that point the, the most handsome person. Right. Starbuck. So they, they move their stuff over there and then everyone else gradually, really slowly, very gradually decides that they will do the same thing. Right, right. Like right. this even though they have no chance. This of could be thirty seconds and it's like five minutes. Of like, finally, we'll decide yeah. we'll do that too, even though it's very clear we would lose otherwise. And then they add it all up, and 
the bad guys still won. They still have the highest number. And so I think that's that. Because we figure it must be five o'clock. But it's not. <laughs> but we don't know that. We haven't been told what fucking time it is. <laughs> we don't know how much time is we, left. There, but right. there's still more time, that, apparently. They, they all feel defeated, but then it's like, well, they could go out and get more They all had more time. <laughs> and nobody like... And so Scott McCruthers pops out of the trunk of the... They're the bad guy's blue convertible in his armor suit. And they're like, wait a minute. That's point. Like, you know, Robert Morley's like, oh, yeah, the prize could leave. You can't take it, but it could walk out on its own. Like, well, jump over. And now we got to watch him very gradually and um, uh, get up and fall over a fence. <laughs> Um, Which while is everyone yells at him, I felt when this was over. While everyone yells at him to do so, um, and then that will be—is that still? Do they still not win? No, they win because he does it at the last second. Now we know what time it yeah. is because now we know suddenly know what time. Yeah, it is. and uh, the countdown. It's even when they're all yelling at him, at Scatman to to jump, like. Robert Morley's looking at his watch and mouthing something, and we can't hear what he's saying over the shouting. <laughs> it's like, and so he, it looks like it he's counting, us. and I don't know what numbers he's saying <laughs> until finally, like the servants go ten, nine. Like, okay, all right, so he was in the okay, teens. Now. That would have been good. That would have, <sighs> whatever. Um, and so this is like. The kind of interesting thing. So it's a mad, 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 mad world. Similarly, somebody dies. Somebody says, well, if you do this thing, you're going to get a bunch of money. Everybody's competing against each other. Right? Mm -hmm. Greed. Right. In that one, greed destroys. Right? Everybody's out for themselves completely. And in the end, nobody gets anything. They all end up in the hospital. Greed has destroyed them all. In this one... Greed only destroys the bad guys. Everyone else decides to cooperate and share, right? Right. And so they all just, everyone says, well, we're just going to help the the most handsome, sexually (laughs) uh, available person. Yeah, right. Right. Um, You know, the best genetic stock among us. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And then... Um, and then that, the nephew team says, well, we'll share it with everybody and everybody who helped us, even the fat people. <laughs> and everyone's like, yay. And, you know, and it becomes like this very uh, liberal um, I, view of like, well, you know, maybe we should distribute this, this a little bit. Be spread out. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, and wouldn't it be nice if we all got along? You want to like this ending, there, right? There's it's some, like, yeah. I mean, there's ingredients here for a good movie. Yes, there are, completely. You know, like someone could have done more work on the script. The script is awful. The, the, <laughs> yes, the, the script, script is, is awful. The script is just like kind of worthless. It's, it's truly terrible. But there's some ideas in here, and you could hammer this into something good. Yeah. Like if you're looking for a movie to remake, like this is super remakeable because there's bones here. The rights are going to be cheap. 
because this is a piece of shit that didn't make any money right. and nobody has any fondness for it. You know, you have your existing IP that you can point to if it goes wrong. So jobs are safe. Pick it up for a song. <laughs> And then yeah. you can turn this into something interesting. You know, it's, it's, there's all these arcs you could do. The, the 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 widower is getting his kids to believe in him again. Like, that's the easiest fucking shit he, to write. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You're going autopilot writing that crap, you know? <laughs> but you do have to write it. You do actually have to put the words down on the paper. You know what I mean? Like, this stuff isn't hard. Some of it's not. I mean, it's, you know, making it right. Writing an ensemble comedy, I think, is hard. But like, it's hard. It's not rocket it's science. Not, though. Yeah. I mean, it, to to get the bare minimum, it's not. You don't rocket have science. to be you know, original lightning, to make it good. But this kind no, of no, thing. lightning in a bottle is something completely yeah. different. This is just. This is the bare bone. It's like it's like shooting a layup. It's like it's not magic. There's a way to do yeah, it. You just got to grind this one you out, know? but you can get there, right? Yeah, you don't yeah. have to. Yeah, you don't have to be. You still just gotta bounce the fucking ball. You do have to put the work in, <laughs> but the bones are there. And also, for something, it good. would also help if afterwards you did not have your only Asian character commit seppuku. Yeah, <laughs> that would also help. Right. Oh yeah, the gardener who gets mad that they keep destroying the pots, but to express his anger, he pulls the. Katana that he keeps in his truck, of course, because he's Japanese. Yeah, he's donned oh, his boy. traditional dress, um, and he's going to commit because the world's full of dicks in the background. <laughs> uh, old Injun Joe is going to show up uh, with his bow and arrow to get his dentures back because he has tracked them to this mansion by putting his ear to the highway. <laughs> And then everybody runs away, and it's one of those shots where, like, the image suddenly gets very grainy. Like we're, yeah, we, we look like we've lost four generations <laughs> to to get the credits scrolling over. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, it's like how much of an optical was this shot? And and everyone keeps tripping over the gardener. Jeez. Oh, and a really terrible closing credit song. Yeah, which I. Didn't bother to remember, but there's a part where he's going like, whoa, wah, whoa, woo, woo, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, 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 Oh, like putting as yeah, much effort right into the lyrics as, as into the rest of the movie. <laughs> exactly. There is like a thing about sharing. <laughs> if you share with me, I'll share with you. Whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah. Bad movie. Scavenger hunt. Bad, bad movie. More like Crappinger Hunt. Uh, so what do we learn from Scavenger Hunt? How does this affect the wacky race genre? Does it? It obviously taints it. Yeah. Do, does it? Does it commun? It clearly doesn't communicate anything to the audience except be wary. But to to the movie producers, to this. That this type of thing could be achieved at this level, will they try it again? And they do. They do. This is this is attempted again. Um, yeah. Well, there's another scavenger hunt movie that comes out two months later. <laughs> it was supposed to come out for Christmas <laughs> the same year, and they held it back. Uh, 
So it, and this one's called uh, Midnight Madness. Our next entry. Midnight Madness. Yeah. Our next entry. Yes. 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 yes, um, yes. A, a far better. At least I remember. I very fondly. I've seen it a number of times in my youth. Um, I'll be I'll be shocked if it's anywhere near as bad as this. Um, yeah, but like this, this really bodes poorly for the genre because a number of our future entries like are really taking their cues from this one, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, not looking forward to those, but you are, you are, nor you should you, dear listener, you don't have to watch them. (laughs) You just listen to us. If anything... I swear, uh, this has been enormously entertaining for me. Uh, the the uh, Siggy uh, just applying his vehement application of logic <laughs> to the proceedings has just been a joy. Well, I'm to glad. Behold. You know, as my grandma said when my father said that the traumatic events of his childhood made him a better person, that it was all worth it. <laughs> Ah, well, tell us what symptoms you have from watching Scavenger Hunt. Um, Hopefully you didn't. Or if it, it, tell us the reasons you won't bother trying to hunt it down. Uh, you can email us at youwatchitwrong at happypanic.net. Uh, we have a Facebook page. Um, nobody ever posts on there. Why be the first? Um, we have a Twitter all the funny people have left Twitter, at least the ones that I followed. So it's very, very quiet over there. I just journalists tweeting their own articles. Uh, it's all, yep. all I get in my feed. <laughs> that Elon threatened to make people pay for. Yeah, I, I was supposed to make that Mastodon account, I guess, or switch to TikTok. Um, oh, don't do that. But, you know, have to watch and listen to my posts instead of read them like a civilized person. But we are on Twitter at the letter U watched it wrong. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Siggy. That's the best place. Yeah, Siggy Lama. That's me. Carney of Steel. That's him. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a, a public list. Wacky races and scavenger hunts. Yeah, so I made a list of possible entries, and I realized I didn't make it private. And uh, for some reason, a lot of people started like like saving it. I was... Just recently, like for some reason, just I got a lot of traffic on that now. Words getting round. So I'm like, hey, the wacky races are where it's at. Not this one, but it's where it's at. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> maybe you need to put the ranked list on there so we can ward people off of the worst ones and drive them <laughs> towards the good ones. Which, uh, you know, we haven't, you know, we're half, about halfway through. Do you want to do a quick ranking? Should we send it a sure? Try to end on a high note. Yeah, it's in on a high note. Okay. Um, I hadn't done this yet. Yeah, me neither. Not formally. Um, let's see. Well, I know what your number one is. I, my kids were asking me, <laughs> well, so which ones do you like the best out of these? And I'm like, hmm. I think, like, if I were just gonna watch another one, like right now, it would be the Gumball Rally. I just love the spirit of that movie. Um, it's not the best execution, but that's really a factor of the budget, uh, in a lot of ways. I, you know, for me, it's Gumball Rally, um, The Great Race, Death Race 2000, Monte Carlo or Bust, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo, Jean Dielman, Epel Porsche 1600 GT, 
24 Urdumansen, 1977. <laughs> Cannonball, those magnificent men of their flying machines. Scavenger Hunt. I think that's my ranking right now. And what's your ranking? I know you're number one. Hmm. I think I know you're number 10. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm putting things higher than I than things that I like better. Well, that's not the point of the ranking. Okay. I had the great race really high because I like it, but I think I like some of these others better. Okay, I think this is my okay. I think my ranking tentatively. This might change. I'll have to. I'll let you fellers know. Um, it's a Mad 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 World top. Yeah. Uh, Jean Dealman second. I just love the absurdity of that one. <laughs> uh, Death Race two thousand. Mm. Gumball Rally. Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. The Great Race. Monte Carlo or bust. Cannonball. Magnificent men in their flying machines. And scavenger out. Yeah. I thought Monte Carlo bus would be higher, but there is a lot of eye rolling stuff in that. But there's a lot of great stuff yeah, in that too. It's pretty uneven. It's just it's, although I did but it's also overall not great. I did enjoy it. Um I'm surprised Death Race two thousand is that high for you, just because I Me too. Me too. Just the sleaziness um is it seemed like a big turnoff for you. I, I, I think this time you know what? Yeah, yeah, it, it usually is. You know, I'm going to amend that, and I'm going to put uh, uh, Herbie Goes to Mon- I, I think I had a whole lot of problems with Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo uh, eventually, but I still just love the Herbie movies, so maybe maybe that should be higher than, than the others. Did you see the picture so, I texted you? I saw Herbie today. Yeah! At the Motor Muster at uh, Greenfield Village, Dearborn, Michigan. Yeah, that was cool. I forgot, I forgot to compliment you on that. Okay, I'm going to read your order. I think Death Race 2000, yeah, its sleeves factor is too high for me. But I this time I watched it, I really liked its um, its uh, timeliness to today's yeah. issues, actually. Yeah. So I, I, I responded to that pretty yeah. great. And Stallone's great. He is. In it. Stallone and, uh, um, and um, uh, Myra are just great. But I think I will. Uh, it's the one that inspired you to write a bit. So that must mean something. True. Uh, but I'm going to change it now. Mad World. You know what? No, I'm going to. Okay, I'm going to switch it. Mad World, Gene, Dealman, Gumball Rally. I had Herbie here, but I think I'm going to put Death Race there. Death Race 2000. Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. Great Race. No, Great Race is better than Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. Yeah. So, okay. Mad World, Gene, Dealman, Gumball Rally. Uh. Death Race 2000, Great Race, Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo, Monte Carlo Robust, Cannonball, Magnificent Men and Their Flying Machines, and Scavenger Hunt. Yeah, that's that's probably the more, the better ranking for me. Well, there you have it, folks. That was fun. There you got that's it. That's it for our show. So hopefully uh, uh, we won't uh, delay the next one for too long uh, and tease it out and put five more movies in front of you. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening again, everyone. And uh, what if we just did a, like a non-pun sign-off right now? Just uh, one like it sounds like we've done it forever. <laughs> and if you want to know what the title of this podcast is, you watched it wrong. <laughs> Very nice.